Excuse me, sir. Can you direct me to the naval base in Alameda? It's where they keep the nuclear vessels. Nuclear vessels. Excuse us. Oh, excuse me. Uh, we are looking for nuclear vessels. Can you tell me where the naval base is in Alameda? We're, we're looking for nuclear... Hello, we are looking for the nuclear vessels in Alameda. Could you tell me where... Can you, you help us? Please, we're looking for the naval base in Alameda. Could you tell me where the nuclear vessels are? No. Ooh, I don't know if I know the answer to that. I think it's across the bay, in Alameda. That's what I said, Alameda. Alameda. Coming soon. This summer. At theaters everywhere. Opening Weekend. Read it R. Welcome to Opening Weekend. I'm Jason O'Connell, and I am once again joined by my dear friends, Fred Berman and Dan Matisa. And for episode 86, we travel back to 1986 and the releases of November 26th. Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, starring William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy, The Mosquito Coast, starring Harrison Ford and Helen Mirren, and Solar Babies, starring Jason Patrick, Jamie Gertz, two minutes of a moist Charles Durning, and a glow-in-the-dark bowling ball. But before we get to the week's films... Friend, he's in it for like two minutes and then he's gone and he never yeah. comes back. We'll talk about it. Uh, I'm very disappointed. Um, but before <laughs> he's great for the two minutes, he's moist. But, <laughs> but before we get <laughs> before we get to the week's films, yeah, uh, Fred and Dan, what were we all doing aside from giving thanks in late November of 1986? You know, it's nuts. I was exactly the same age and in the same grade as my son is right now. Oh my wow. god! Which is mind blowing. Wow. Mind blowing. Yeah, because I was. And are you I was into some of the same things as he was. Not as at he's all. Into. Oh, he's not like at into all. sports and like bodybuilding and stuff now, right? Yeah, I mean, oh. he's, he's like. I just saw him last week. Amazing. Fred, you can't do any of that. No, You're, I was no. a weakling back then. I was. Yeah, I was fourteen in ninth grade, and like, yeah, he's in. He, he's athletic. He's playing football. He's bodybuilding. Mm. He's getting all like swole. He's listening to rap and hip hop, and TikToking and Snapchatting and all that stuff and wow. I had no friends and couldn't lift anything. Is he on MySpace? Does he does he enjoy the MySpace? Uh, I uh, no, but sometimes oh, okay. we'll you know we'll chat on Friendster together, the two of us. Yeah. <laughs> we'll Friendster. Yeah. You're old. Yeah, no, very, very, very different, very different. Uh, but, you know, he's doing his own thing, and he's great, and um, I was doing my own thing, and I was, you know, mediocre at best, I guess. Oh, but it's, no. re it's really weird just to, to realize that, to get to sort of think back and go, wow, yeah, that's exactly, I mean, we're in exactly the same place, you know, not anymore, but at the time. And you were clearly doing music by this time and in a band and all of that. Ninth grade, probably. Yeah, think, yeah right? ninth grade. Yeah, I was I, I, I was playing drums pretty hell. Mm. I was really into it. And uh, I think around this time, I might have just gotten. No, 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 I didn't. I was going to say I got my Judas Priest jean jacket, but I think that came later in the Ooh. year. At this point, I think I was still rocking my Bill and Opus jean jacket. I had oh a Bill and God. Opus jean jacket. Bloom That's County? one of my. You're talking about Bloom County? Yeah, wow. Bloom County. 
Yeah, and there were a lot of pins on it. You know, it was there was a lot of um, uh, what they call oh flare. Remember in, in, in Office Space? Oh, they, yeah. yeah. You got to wear the flare. TGI Friday. I wore a lot flare. of flare. There was a lot of pins. Uh, and I remember, oh my God, I'm just remembering this. In our shop class in ninth grade, <laughs> there was a machine that you can make pins. You can make handmade pins. Oh, so that take just us through yeah. it. Take us through it. What'd you make? Floodgates. So it was like, <laughs> I would just, no, because. Open the flare gates. Because I, and to this day, I'm still someone, subtlety isn't my bag. If there's something I like, <laughs> no. you know, or into, I like to show it off everywhere. And so wow. like my life. <laughs> That's why we've all seen your balls far too many times in the 20 some odd years. Uh, two minutes of being moist. Um, but it was, but like, I remember my locker at this time, you know, and for like the next year or so, they were just, I would cut out pictures from like uh, circus magazine and hit parade magazine and all like mm. the rock and, and, and metal magazines and similar to my room at home, which was just covered with pictures of the bands. I liked, I would do that in my locker. I wasn't satisfied mm-hmm. with just one picture. Like I couldn't be like, Hey, I like Led Zeppelin. I'm like, I like Led Zeppelin, wow. but I also like cheap trick, but I also like Iron Maiden, but I also like Boston, but I also like Aerosmith. Uh. And I had to, so it was <laughs> the same with pins. So like once, in fact, I was looking through, my uh my old my my high school yearbook from this time and there's a picture of me talking to my friend uh Marion Burnick, I believe his name was, and I'm wearing the jean jacket and it must have been the Bill and Opus jean jacket, or maybe it was at the end of the year and I switched to the Judas Priest one. Anyway, mm. it's it's like bulletproof because it's covered with pins. They're just pins up and down the lapels. Mm, awesome. And it was because you know, I would go to Spencer Gifts and buy, you know, the pins that I liked, which I still have a few of them, actually. I have an Iron Maiden, a Zeppelin, and a Rush pin that I probably got from, like, the Roosevelt Field flea market years ago. But then I would take those, all those pictures that I would cut out and put in the locker, I would bring to the shop class and we can make yeah. pins. But they were all, wow. I always remember they were oversized. So most little rock pins were sort of small. These were big. So they just, again, I mean, subtle. I was, you I, were very subtle at this yeah. time. <laughs> I was invincible is what I was. I was like mm-hmm. RoboCop because I just had like <laughs> big giant pins of like Jimmy Page or Aerosmith or, you know, just random rock stars all over my body. It's like walking around in chain mail. You had some, like it was, it, your jacket was the heaviest jean jacket. Yeah, pretty much. Fashion. I was like something, I was like a Game of Thrones character. <laughs> yeah. It was literal yeah. heavy metal. You were the oh. heavy metal. Did you see what I did there? And oh. then that's the game, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I had going on. And I also remember there was a very, there was a divide at this time between like the rockers and the new wavers. I remember a lot of my oh. friends, especially more my female friends, were really into um, WLIR. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, Do you guys yeah, remember yeah, that? Yeah, of course. Well, we would, I would know it. It's a, it's a Long the Island radio station. The Long Island Railroad? But, but Dan no. wouldn't know it. WLIR. It? it was uh, Dare to oh. Be Different. It was like an alternative, what would now be considered sort of like an alternative oh, radio okay. station, but it was all new wave. Gotcha. And I had so many friends who were into it, but at the time, and now it's it's ridiculous because all the bands they played on there, I you know I enjoy and like. But at the time, I was like, no, 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 no. You knew waivers. You and you know me and my friends uh, like Dee Dee Sheridan and I'm trying to think of their names, Christina. Enrique and Danielle D'Agostino, Marianne Costello, it's all coming back. They were really into New Wave. And, you know, we would like 
joke and I'd be like, no, no, I can't. I can't listen to the, B- the B-52s and the Cure and uh, no, no, Don Dockin no, would kick just... their asses any day of the week. <laughs> and then we ended up having like a battle of the bands. I, I invite, they had their own little band and Josh and I had a fake band called... <laughs> The Chained. Band. That's what it was. It was wow. called Chained because I think I might have spoken about wait, this. Wait, because you had Unchained and then you had Chained? Is that what it was? Yeah. No, my, no, my band that I had was, was Unleashed. Unleashed. Oh, I thought it was Unchained. <laughs> no, no, but there was. God damn it. Really? I think you've changed the name of the band over the years. Listen, we didn't want to be Unchained anymore. We we wanted the restraint. We wanted to fetter ourselves. <laughs> Hogtied. That was my band. Hogtied. And, I only, uh, and, and it was like, Z100 is the only one for me, everybody. Mr. Leonard in the mornings. Come on. It's say Mr. Leonard. <laughs> Ball gagged. That was another one that oh, we did, but that was, of. you know. <laughs> I'm sorry. So you're chained in the saddle so we of were the ch- band. <laughs> so our friends, Ryan Bell and Richard Coke and Joe Salvatore, they were really good musicians. They were in a band and they're fr- one of the, at the time their band was called Unchained based on the, 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 the Van Halen song. So it was a joke. Josh and I were like, well, we're going to do a band called Chained. And I remember I drew a shirt. Okay. Our band shirt was a picture of Ryan, who was very hairy. Well, I think he's passed <laughs> on. Rest, rest in peace. But it was a picture of him. Chained, like his hairy body chained up. And that was, we thought that was funny. You insensitive asshole. And I had a guitar in my basement that only had three strings. So I tuned it. So there's a way you can tune a guitar. So basically, however, it's like open tuning, whatever you hit, whatever, it'll always sound like an actual chord. And Josh played drums and we sort of go back and forth. And we had like a a, a 10, 12 song set of us just playing Mm-hmm. Like Zeppelin, but they weren't, they weren't, you know, we weren't playing them correctly. They weren't good, <laughs> but we, as a joke, we invited our friends over our, our, our girlfriends, uh, Marianne, uh, not girlfriends like we were dating, but our friends who were women. Right. And they had a band where they played new wave and we were like, we're going to have a battle of the bands. The, now the irony was in your basement, in our basement. That's brilliant. And the irony was we were doing this as a joke because to be like, yeah, our music is so much better. They were actually really good. I remember they played, uh, ironically, they played the song In the Basement by uh, the B-52s. We're Perfect. in the basement. And they were really Perfect. good. How was, wow. how was eighth grade going for you there, Dan? Oh, good. The Mets had just won the World Series, and which made them the greatest team in the history of anything ever. It was awesome. Um, That's right. You had a fake band. My friend Wally and I had a fake wrestling federation. And we had, we kind of, my friends and I all kind of had fake wrestling federations. You talked about this, the Wang Federation, We had the Wang Wrestling (laughs) Federation. That's exactly right. And uh, Mr. Eat Me was the world champion. And uh, we would just, we wouldn't wrestle. We would just come up with the, the, the whatever the card would be for the night, you know. Oh, uh, oh yeah, accident- you said that. Yeah. yeah, accidental creation is fighting Invisoid. They all had powers. <laughs> they, they were just, they were beyond, you know. Those are awesome. What was Mr. Eat Me's power? Just curious. In, in, in the Wang Federation, what was Mr. Eat Me's power? I, I, th- I don't think we have to guess. We don't have to go very far. <laughs> Two minutes of moistness? Is that it? Yeah. 
yes. Oh. And then he would eat you once you were moist enough. Three Tons of Fun was one of the champs. Oh um, the Righteous Horse Cleaners were the tag team champs. <laughs> it was righteous great. Horse Cleaners. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We had great um, uh, really Coke Sniffer. And their, their arch enemies were Coke Sniffer and the Funky Junkie. We had we had all kinds. We had I can't just believe a you remember giant all of list. These. Oh, yeah. No, I'll never forget. You it. don't remember. You don't know who you no. are sometimes. You no. don't know where you've been. You, but yep. you remember these names that you wrote in a, a spiral notebook in 1986 yep. vividly. It's awesome. Where did you get the righteous horse cleaners from? I feel like that can't. I feel like that was, you know, how you would always watch film strips in class. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like that was a film strip in American government. And somebody said something about, and he was a righteous horse cleaner. And Wally and I looked at each other and, go, and went, that's a tag team. The righteous horse cleaners. And he was a righteous horse cleaner. I want to see yeah. that film strip. We should, should do that. Too. We should schedule that for uh, <laughs> when we run out of movies. Like in 15 years, we'll be like school film. Coming up next no. on Z100, the righteous horse cleaners and their hit, Two Minutes of Moistness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Wang oh. Wrestling Federation, and uh, we we had a lot of fun with that. Do, were you worried? Were and was anyone at this time were in 1986 worried about Haley's Comet coming to destroy us all, or were you more excited no. about it, or did you were you indifferent to it, or did you not care? I was excited about it. I, I remember it. I I didn't think it was going to destroy us, which is silly. I probably should have <laughs> had a healthy. Fear of comets. Fear of comets and and asteroids (laughs) coming to get us. Um, That was a big deal, right? Like they talk about it in school all the time. I remember in mm -hmm. middle school, every science class was like, couple couple months and got Haley's Comet coming a few weeks away. Haley's Comet. And then it came and we went, all right. We didn't see it. It's not like it zoomed by our house. And said, hey, everybody. Stay tuned for the next one. <laughs> will you be alive for it? Only time, time will, tell. will tell. I wonder because I do like I have a big fear of comets or asteroids oh, hitting yeah, the Earth. About oh, that's right, you do. That's why meteor was so traumatic for you. Yeah, but oddly enough, I was I was unfazed by that one. By I don't know, maybe because. Haley is like a cute name. It's a nice name. That's what it is. It sounds yeah. like the cute girl in your class. And you're like, yeah. oh, Haley's Comet. It sounds like her ponytail. Aww. Like she would name her ponytail Haley's Comet. And you'd be like, you're adorable. <laughs> <laughs> Have you met Captain Eat Me? Or what was the guy? <laughs> oh, my God. Haley's Comet. Haley's Comet's dating the funky junkie, apparently. <laughs> Again. They're so cute. Fred, have you seen, this is, uh, well, it's not off topic, but it is a, a little side ramp. Did you, have you seen Don't Look Up? Did you like that? Did it? Yes. Did it oh, yeah. yeah. I loved it. I fucking loved it. I, I thought it was, it. I thought it was great. I know there were a lot yeah. of people who weren't into it, but it was very divisive. It, but yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't but know. I thought it was, I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> I really yeah. did. I it's really a, liked it's it. It's a. It's a great satire, and I yeah. thought um, th- I thought the cat, like Meryl Streep and Mark Rylance and everybody, really understood that it was a satire. Like yeah. Meryl Streep, Streep, really, of course, she got it. She like understood what it was. She's so amazing. Uh, she's yeah. crazy. Good. Now, everybody was great, but it is like it. Th- I mean, now in my <laughs> in my old age, I, I mean, in my middle age or whatever. I, now oh, I'm oh, I oh. do have a fear, of, uh, not a fear of that, but I'm like. Oh. I fully believe, maybe we've talked about this already, about like around the time Armageddon and Deep uh, Impact came out, there were reports about like an asteroid that NASA had discovered and that it was on a trajectory, a 30 year trajectory to hit Earth. And then 
like the next day it was like, oh, NASA was wrong. It'll miss us by this much. And I was like, that's the government saying, you can't tell people that in 30 years a comet or an asteroid might hit the planet. It will be panned to fucking monium and there will be lawlessness in the streets. So even if it is going to hit us, you have to say, oh, it's going to miss us by many, many miles, and then we'll figure it out. I still believe that, and I believe that we'll never well, really know if an asteroid is actually coming for us or not because they don't well, want panic well, in the streets. Not they to freak don't. anyone right. out, but oh, that when you, I remember when you said that, and that scared the mm-hmm. shit out of me even more. I think that, I think you put the fear of comets into me, Jason O'Connell. That's what it was. You saying that, because I remember seeing that that's when right. we were working at Ballet Tech, and it was on the oh, cover of right. the Daily we talked News. About it. That's right, that's right. Yeah, it was we've on talked the Daily about this News. before. Yes, I'm but sorry. That I'll was... But that was about, no, 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 because that was about 20, 25 years ago. And yeah. just recently, Uh-oh. they were doing tests about, like, trying to blow comets off course. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, yes. Yeah, we don't have were. much time, guys. We don't have much no. time. No, we got to get to episode 100 quickly. I, yeah, but, but, I thought, but I thought about that when they were doing those tests. I was like, yeah, because yeah. there's something they need to blow out of the sky. Not like, it's a test that we put all this into, just in case it ever happens. It's happening no. in five to six years, probably. Oh, don't right. say that. No, yeah, don't don't worry about it. We won't feel a ah, thing. You'll be fine. They'll, they'll, call it, they'll call it Haley's second comet and then you'll think it's cute <laughs> I call it Haley Haley comes back again Aww, Jody's comet Jody's comet Sweetie all right, Pie's comet blasted into oblivion what were you doing back in 86 yeah. Jason I yeah. was not that it matters we're I all was, gonna die I tomorrow know, anyway. it really doesn't but um <laughs> but let me t- let me talk about how important uh my I'm gonna get I'm going to get real here. No, I don't know why. I've, I mean, for the first time in my life, I've gotten quiet. Um, <laughs> no, I was doing, this was, uh, I had just finished my, it wasn't my first school play, but it was the first play where I had like a real role in something where I wasn't nice. just kind of part of an ensemble. It was a play that I know, you know, Dan, I think you've, I think you've done it. You did Bullshot Crummond, didn't I've you? I've done that, it twice. I've done two yeah, productions right. of it. Yeah, right. It's a, it's a, it's, a, funny. a, a, par- a par- it's very funny. It's a parody of this old, I guess, British movie serial called Bulldog Drummond, right? Yeah. I didn't hmm. know that at the time. I just was like, oh, here's a wacky comedy for five, four or five actors. I can't five, remember. Five, yeah. A, a called Bullshot Crummond. I thought, because I didn't have a frame of reference for it, I thought, oh, it's a, and it is very much like a, a James Bondy parody. You know, there's like this kind of dashing mm-hmm. hero and then there's, you know, femme fatales and, you know, a, a gold finger like villains and stuff like that. So anyway, it was this silly comedy, this this spoof comedy. And we did it at my high school because it was a, a tight little cast. And that's, you know, I, honestly, we didn't have that many kids all that interested in. Well, in then that's a great show. Then. Then. So it was a good I think it was a good one for that purpose but yeah i played the villains or the mm. villain and then there's a doubling there but i played otto uh otto von bruno i almost said otto octavius uh, otto, <laughs> otto von bruno this kind of like nazi villain or whatever they yeah, don't say he's a nazi but he's natasha the, kind yeah, of yeah, yes, yeah yes 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 exactly so it was this german villain with a monocle and a, and a bald cap and you know <laughs> it was awesome so fucking awesome and uh, oh, uh that's and then there was one scene where I also had to play, uh, it was the first time I ever did, and it's something I've gone on to do, like from my stand-up comedy to my one-man shows and even other plays, lots of other plays, playing two characters at the same time doing a scene yes. together. So I had to yeah, play, yeah. I believe that, I believe the character's name was 
Salvatore Scalicio or something or something it, something like Scalicio. that. Yeah. Salvatore Scalicio, like this gangster. Yeah. So this Italian yeah. mobster and this German Nazi supervillain have this scene together, mm-hmm. and you know, and they did it in the least kind of creative way possible. I mean, it was like there was a flat with like you know Otto von Bruno's like you know like his mad scientist lab. And literally, I would keep walking around it and then backstage that would like throw you do on That's another it. costume. That's the only way you can really do it. Cause they want yeah. you to have the whole costume. It's not like just change a hat. Like they literally mm-hmm. took the whole costume off me then put the other costume on <laughs> as I'm talking. And then I would walk around as the gangster and I'm talking like this. And then I go back behind there. Oh, what you got back here? And then it's like, Oh yes, very good. So, um, and, and I remember being really Amazing. as the British say really chubby. Because uh, because we had uh, we had like a school assembly. They were trying to promote the play to the students to see yep. if any yeah, they students the would come see to it. And they made the kids see it. And it, well, they made the kids see just an assembly where they were like, and here's an example oh, the preview. of the show yeah. and the preview. And it was that scene. It was me with like crew members back there and doing the scene by myself. And and maybe awesome. so I shouldn't say chuffed? that. Might, is, it, is it chuffed a bad chuffed thing? Is good. No, chuffed, chuffed is good. Oh, chuffed is good. Yeah, oh. chuffed yes. is good. Oh, okay. Chuffed is good. Um, you know, I had like a little, you know, a little beam of pride. I was, I was happy. It was like the first time. I hadn't done a lot of stuff uh, performance wise at all and not that much in front of the students. And so I was uh, and it was fun. It was fun to do it. And the kids got a kick out of it. And I and then I remember that's the first time I had the sensation of like a real letdown after a play closing like that kind of like, oh, no, what do I do with myself now? I remember that really, really, really vividly. Mm. Um, You know what you do in those instances? You strap on some roller skates (laughs) and you go play. Some hockey slash lacrosse in the desert. That'll lift your spirits. <gasps> it sure will. If you're a solar baby. I still don't know. I watched a, the whole two hours of it or whatever it was, 45 minutes. I can't tell. Who knows how long that movie was? I don't know why they're called solar babies. They've conditioned us here to be so afraid. There has got to be a place to go. From a distant star, a powerful force will come to Earth. They call this force Bodai. Where's the sphere? They took it to the Protector at Aqua Bunker. It's where they control the water. Jason, they're gonna destroy it. If we go, we're not coming back. We're gonna get Bodai. It's unanimous. We go. In a sun-scorched, post-apocalyptic world largely bereft of water, a group of youthful orphans, including Jason Patrick and the luminous Jamie Gertz, spend Mm. their time playing a hard-hitting, hockey-like game for some reason and defying an authority known as the Protectorate for some reason. When one of the younger orphans, Daniel, played by Lucas Haas, discovers a strange sphere which in all likelihood was purchased from Spencer Gifts by the props (laughs) department, it leads to a less an epic struggle between what else good and evil after the scheming dar star played by adrian pastar swipes the powerful orb the incomprehensible solar babies took in an easy to comprehend seven hundred and five thousand dollars over its opening weekend on its way to a worldwide total at least according to box office mojo of less than 1.6 million dollars Fred and Dan, what did you think 
a voluminous Jamie Gertz. Yes. And the rest of Solar Babies. Here's what you do to make Solar Babies. Take a little bit of Megaforce. A little bit? Sprinkle in. Megaforce was funny. Sprinkle in, <laughs> sprinkle in some crossroads, just the Jamie Gertz parts. <laughs> Divide by the square root of Mad Max. Multiply by something with Billy Zane, who I often confuse with Jason Patrick. <laughs> yes. And you, and then throw Charles Durning in there, and the, you have Solar Babies. I I, I don't. I, this was a this was a really hard. Difficult one because it's it, this movie literally starts as one movie and then becomes a totally, totally different movie. This is a movie about just roller skate. You think oh, it's just what, two movies? It it's might like be seven mil- or eight. I don't know. Because it's, it's also what's that movie with James Kahn where it is rollerball? It, rollerball. rollerball it's yeah. also mm-hmm. kind of rollerball as well, but it's a healthy heaping uh, uh, teaspoon of 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 mega force in there and 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 the the especially those cars and everything and just sort oh, of yeah. like but it's a it's kind of a mad max rip off in a, in a major way but but the beginning is like okay we're we have an orphanage and we i you know i'm you're waiting the whole whole movie for where did these teenagers come from and who's taking them to an orphanage and why do they have to dig holes there none of that gets explained but you think that that's where the movie is headed of of like it's all about this orphanage and these kids who have to do something to keep the world turning in the future uh and and for recreation they play this game and it's all going to hinge on this game yeah and they play this they have to play this game in the protectorate's own arena, right. they're just, right. they're not allowed to play the game outside the arena. And they do that to break the rules. They play the game their own way and with their own rules against sort of the, 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 the evil team. And that's going to be what the movie is, is the game. And then it's this orb shows up. And Lucas Haas gets his hearing fixed. And <laughs> we're in a totally, totally other movie where Owl Boy... Why does he take the orb to Terrence Mann? Why? Oh, Critters is part of this too. Critters, I that's right. Sprinkle it, sprinkle in a little Critters also in 1986. There. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, but why? Why does Dar Star Star Far take <laughs> the orb to the Terrence Mann Darf tribe? Star. Why does he take the orb to the Terrence Mann tribe? And what is the what is he hoping to achieve by doing that? They they did a lot of drugs when they wrote this script. Absolutely. Or if they had a machine that when somebody <laughs> no uh, somebody fell asleep and they were like they gave him so, and they had something bad to eat the night before and they went to sleep and there was a machine that could replicate exactly where. You know, when you have an upset stomach and you have a crazy dream, it like just yes. replicates the entire dream from beginning to end. That's yes. what this that's what this was like. Nothing yeah. makes it's sense or is connected. It just kind of goes all over the fucking place. There's connected. there is Mad Max, but then there's also like some starship troopers. That guy like with the, the weird let the terrible oh. actor. Who is that guy? He's got top billing. Yeah, the top billing. And Combat he's like the guy in the, whatever. the leather Nazi guy who's like really yeah, bad. Yeah, Inspector Grock. It's just all over the place. In your dream, you might dream that Charles Durning is drinking water in the desert for a second and then forget <laughs> that he ever existed. Of course, that's what happens <laughs> in a dream. Yeah. It doesn't happen in movie. 
movies with then narratives. The from Superman 2 comes in at the yes, end of your Sarah dream, Douglas. Jason, and runs an underground lair where there's a yeah. robot from RoboCop. It's crazy. Yes, yes I was going to say it feels very RoboCop at some point, too. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's a lot of Mad Max influence and a lot of Verhoeven influence. But even although... No, the Verhoeven stuff is after this. Later. <laughs> so, yeah. It's, it's so for weird. Very, you mentioned the costumes for the hottest, for, for shooting this in the desert with no water in a, in a, in a, in a waterless <laughs> yeah. future. Everyone is so layered in this thing. <laughs> yes. What's your name for Superman 2 is wearing a terry cloth thing with the biggest <laughs> terry cloth lapels I've ever seen. And the bad guy, the leader of the E-Cops, that, that actor right. you're talking about, is wearing in leather seat cushions. He's wearing couch cushions. <laughs> yeah. The, they're the hottest costumes I've ever yeah, seen. It's Corinthian leather. It is. It's like from a car. It's like <laughs> from the inside Montabon. of a car. But yes, you're like, and he's outside. It's not like he's just in a climate control. Yeah. It's like, why would you choose to wear that? <laughs> you're, you guys are failing to, to mention one oh. thing, and I'm surprised oh, you ahead. didn't mention this in oh. the intro, Jason. Because the thing that's more mind-blowing than anything else that happens in this movie. I mean, the fact that, I, again, I can't, I'm like, wait, you're, you're roller skating in the desert? How is that possible? Yeah, right. You can't roller skate on gravel. You can't, yeah, you can't would get, get in the anywhere. Wheels. And plus, yeah. they'd be the easiest people to find because you just follow the tracks. <laughs> just follow the, the track that goes through the sand. But beyond all of that, beyond all the craziness, beyond the fact that Charles Durning starts off narrating this movie. Yeah, right. He's the narrator. Yeah, obviously, they that. added that in because they realized that no one would understand That's it. Because it really should have been that that voiceover should have been like Lucas Haas or should have been one of the kids. Yes. You yes. know, uh, you know. Besides that, besides the fact that you have like James Vanderbeek with the mullet as the the bad rapey <laughs> kid oh, who God, like yeah. you know. Attacks my cousin Jamie. Yeah, uh, in the Who arena. Is wonderful. She's she's. I, I will say, Jason usual. Patrick, Jamie Gertz, Lucas Haas. The kids are all like the main yeah. kids. They're all yeah, good. They're doing they're they all do a good job. But yeah. the weirdest thing, and again, like the scene where where they're they're tossing Bowdy the ball to each other, and then like the one kid break dances with it. Yeah, and you know, which like, oh God, uh, stranger than all of that. Although maybe, which is why it's so strange. Guys, this movie was produced by Mel Brooks. Oh, that's was it? right. It Mel was. Brooks. I missed that. It was from. I missed yeah, that. I, did, I missed that too in the credits. But it is. It's a Brooks Films production, right? Yeah. And apparently, from what no. I've read, right. this movie completely bankrupt him. Like he was in oh. dire, dire straits because oh someone wow. came to him with the idea. I'm probably not getting something right, but I feel like someone came to him with the idea. They thought, "Oh, this would be great," because you, you know must the have time he was making the, the next Star Wars. Well, that's what it was, well, and apparently. Uh, he put together a trailer. He did a trailer himself, a 10-minute trailer, to make it look like it was going to be this great Star Wars movie. Oh, and then it started to realize, like, oh, my God, this is, no, this is the farthest thing from it. And it all just fell apart oh, and, uh, you know, fell to shit there. But, yeah, Mel Brooks, which is so, it just doesn't make any sense to no. me at all. But he's there, and so maybe that's where it all falls apart. <laughs> oh, Oh, here, wash this. 
Now, now Peter DeLuise, did he it's get the be. job because it's Mel Brooks be. loves Dom DeLuise and their buddies? Yep. And then he was like, I'll give your kid something. Or was he already on 21 Jump Street at this point? I feel like it's mm-hmm. like just before 21 Jump Street. Right? Yeah. Like a year before or something. Yeah. And I think um, Peter DeLuise is good. All the kids are, you're exactly right. I'll watch the Lucas Hall. The kids fight. are all fine. They just don't. He's full you know. freight. That guy who with the uh, the 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 owl Owly or Darstar, he's he's from uh, Heroes. That's the Heroes, only thing yeah. I know him from is Heroes. Yeah, and he also looked like he was forty. Oh. He looked much older Absolutely. than all the other kids. Absolutely, yeah, he didn't look like a kid at all. Yeah, that was very strange. There was a line. Terrence Mann had a great line. I think it was Terrence Mann where he said, "Where's uh, my is paycheck?" He- was that his line? <laughs> was, was the line? Am I? Are we? Are any of us being paid? Was that someone the line? said? Is he your owl? And the response was. As much as is any owl. What the fuck are you talking about? Very Ooh, deep stuff. That is very deep stuff. good writing. That's good writing. <laughs> you know, you were asking, you were amusing in the beginning, Dan, like, why did they make this movie? Or like, what was, what was the point of this stuff? And I who, think. Who greenlit it? Who, well, besides Mel Brooks? What's interesting about these three movies this, this, uh, this week is that I think you had three very like conservationist themes behind all the movies. The ice you know, thing two- is in two of the movies. What's that? The, the thing about ice. And, yeah. and the value of ice and water is in two yeah, of the movies. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Yeah, I think yeah. around this time, that was in the air. So you had three, like, that's what it was. It was about, you know, well, this is what's going to happen if we it's don't. true. You know, if, yeah. if, if the one government is controlling the water, you know, and there's that, that theme that sort of runs through all three movies. It's just completely lost in this one. So I think my guess is like that was the idea behind this. Like, let's let's make a movie, you know, talking to the, the, the concerns of the time and, the and you know, the environment and the, the Chicani were sort of like the Native Americans, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. But well, it just it's cuckoo crazy. This movie's good. And even. It, no, Bodhi it's Bowdy. Bo, well, no, Bodai. Bodai. But but when what you look at it that? on the what is on it? the uh, <laughs> when you look at it's, it on the subtitle, B O D H I, which yeah. is Bodhi, and that's a Buddhist. That's a that's ah. a sacred Buddhist tree, right? So there's, I'm sure there's Buddhism baked in here. I just don't have the. Half I don't want to look at. <laughs> His name's Bodai. What the fuck are you talking about? I heard you. Of course he heard me. What the fuck he are you talking everything. about? Even when I'm not talking, What the he fuck hears are you me. talking about? Here. He likes to be held. Now what does that got to do with anything? It does. <laughs> I can feel it likes to be held. I can't speak. Hey, Bodie. His name is Bodai. Fuck off. Jason, can we keep him? I mean, look. I fixed a bed and everything. Oh, no. It'll be oh, no. fine. Oh, no. Mad Max does so much more on so much less of a budget. You know what I mean? Or probably on the same budget. This really looks cheap. (laughs) There's a lot of grand and broad ideas, but I don't know. It just gets lost in this weird mire of sci-fi, post-apocalyptic BMX, you know, roller skating. That was the thing. Like, at the time, it's so funny when I think about, like, I, I didn't see this movie in the theaters, which was strange. I should have, because at the time... Yeah. You know, I was, I followed my cousin Jamie's career. You know, that was yeah. exciting to see, you know, her movies. Like at this time, BMX bikes and like roller skating, like all that, all that stuff was really cool. It was sort of like, there was, I remember there was, there was, um, 
what was the other, like Rad was a movie. There were a lot of like BMX oh, movies. Yeah, yes. But maybe yeah. this came after that craze. So it's it also, it, it had the Road Warrior look to it. So it was all these things yeah. that would normally get me to go see it. But I think right from the get, I, you know what? Maybe I could be crazy. I might be crazy, but now I'm remembering, did I hear from like Jamie's family, from Mark Cousins that they... I wonder Don't if she it. said, yeah, it's not going to be good. Don't Ooh. go. Don't go. That's that's sort of I bet she, ringing a bell it, right I now. I bet she, <laughs> she clearly has taste and talent. And, and yeah. Discernment. Because we didn't see it in the theaters. Of course you didn't see it in the theater. No one did. Nobody no. did. It made $700,000. It was, it was it a major release that made under $1 oh. million dollars that week. I was also concerned God about her, her hairdo. The hairdo towards yeah. the end with the something about Mary in the, you know, the, the, the hair thing that she had going on there. That was a little freaky. Oh, and then her father comes out. Jesus yeah. H. Christ. Jesus yeah. H. Barry Gibb it's, comes out. It was yeah. madness. It's madness. Yeah, that's what I wrote. I wrote one of the Bee Jesus. How long has father. she been among that group? She's like, I live here now. This is my dad. You've been gone for five seconds. You haven't yeah. been there for months. What is everything that's ever been in a movie? Here's the idea. The idea was, what if we put everything that's ever been in a movie into (laughs) one movie and see how it shakes out? That was the idea. It's a salad of movies. Absolutely. It's like, have you seen movies with glowing balls in them? Sure, of course. (laughs) Have you seen movies with roller skates in them? Sure. Uh, Have you seen Dystopia? Sure. Have you seen leather jackets? Sure. Have you seen terry cloth? Sure. Have you seen cheap robots? Sure. Have you seen Jamie Gertz? Of course. Have you seen Charles Durning? Most of them. Have you seen? I mean, there's, there's way too much happening. And and to no to no end. I I couldn't follow. I couldn't follow it. I literally couldn't follow it. Maybe I just don't pay enough attention when I watch these. But I really I try. Pay all the attention in the world to this thing. You can't. You can't can't make head or tail of it. Then there's all these truly Mad Max characters who are the bounty hunters, and they're fully doing the Mad Max accent and everything. You know, and it's like that's Alexi Sales. Why are they? Who? Yeah. Mm. I don't care if it's, I don't care if it's, uh, <laughs> I don't have another sales reference. Cut this. Soupy. Soupy sales. I don't, care, soupy sales. Soupy. I don't care if it's, su- let's take it back. Say Dark it again, head. Fred. Yeah. That was Alexi sales. Oh, I don't care if it's soupy sales. Keep Boom. all of that in. Podcast magic. <laughs> you know, oh. I'm keeping that whole thing. I'm not going to edit it. So that the Ah, and speaking it. of those bounty hunters, can we, the, oh. solo, the, the, the bad guys, you know, the protectorate and the Nazi yes. bad guys don't yes. hurt or kill anyone. No, they kill an you. owl. That's it. The solar babies kill people left and right. Did you yeah. notice that? They send those two bounty hunters to die in the desert and they're like, bye. But it was just delightfully a, nonsensical at the well, end. The Nazis got the scene. great line and which connects this to, to another movie that we're doing later is right. he goes, Oh my. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Is this your it. ball? That's a line <laughs> yes, in this movie. Right. <laughs> oh my, right. period. Hello, period. Is this your <laughs> Is ball? Is this your ball? <laughs> How many Sheila's for solar oh, babies? Oh, how many Sheila babies? Sheila babies. Sheila babies. I will give it this. It was mercifully short. On Pluto, yeah. it got extended because, Not for me, because of the commercials. When I had to watch it, it was all these oh, like right. all these commercials kept popping up, yeah, and then then I had to keep her. Rewi- it took me forever to watch this movie. Oh, I'm <laughs> yeah. so sad for you. I'm gonna go and give it a bold three. A wow. bold three. Yeah. 
which might be a little high, but you know, I liked Owl Boy. He had no purpose in this, but I enjoyed him. <laughs> None. Slightly Why more than it? Charles Durning, but I don't know. Not really. Uh, uh, two. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, <laughs> to watch going, Jason's wheels turn about what does Sheila rate? Uh, well, I, have, I had written down two, comma, maybe a one. I'm going to go 1. 1.5. One for Jamie Gertz and 0. 0.5 for Lucas Ouch. Haas, who is smaller. So he gets a 0. 0.5. <laughs> they, they, they were the only, like, I was like, well, they're really, they're good actors. Jason Patrick is a good actor, but he was, there's one point where he talks yeah. to the ball and he's like James Dean talking to the ball. Like, yeah, confess, I, I was like. It was so weird. Um, He's got a soliloquy to it. Yeah, soliloquy. You like that? And then the ball gives him a vision, and then that never comes back. You know, it's like yeah, you're right. You know, it's all right. I'll go. I'll go two. I'll give it two. I'll give it two. They all did a good job. They all did the best they could, and they were probably excited to do it. Except for the Nazi, the actors aren't a problem. It's uh, the Nazi was, and maybe Owl Boy is a little flat, and uh, and I just like Sarah Douglas is not good, but I like her because she was in Superman too. So, Kids, right. don't try to roller skate on gravel. Don't do it. Please You'll don't. Fall. Please don't. Don't, don't try do this it. at home. I say uh. take this movie, put it on a raft, <laughs> send it upriver. Send it upriver, <laughs> oh up the coast. King of the Where it might get bitten by a lot of mosquitoes. I don't know. Oh. Wait, 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 wait. But then, I mean, they, there might be some fancy name for the coast, but I guess mm. it would just get nicknamed then the Mosquito Coast. <laughs> Some said he was a genius. Honey, he's gonna love it. I'm gonna knock his socks off. I'm gonna straighten his hair. But Dad, what is it? It's perfection. That's what it is. Some thought it was madness. Nobody ever thinks of leaving this country. I do. I think about it every day. Tell him he is a dangerous man. And one of these days he's gonna get you all killed. He wanted to change the world. What is it you want? Elbow room. Come on. And when the world wouldn't listen. Goodbye, man. Have a nice day. He found a world that would. Harrison Ford, first mistake, plays a <laughs> miscast, plays a brilliant inventor slash survivalist slash racist conspiracy theorist slash idealist who uproots and relocates his family, including wife Helen Mirren and eldest son River Phoenix, to a remote Caribbean island away from the consumerism, which he perceives to be choking America. He sets about creating a utopia in the jungle by bringing ice to the natives, who he gently calls savages at every turn, and uses his genius for making gadgets to enhance their primitive lifestyle. However, he also endangers and alienates his long-suffering family, and his enterprise proves fatally flawed. For whom, you ask? Only time (laughs) will tell. The great director Peter Weir of Truman Show and Master and Commander fame reunited with his witness star Ford for the film version of Paul Thoreau's novel, which also notably features the final screen appearance of Gone with the Wind actress Butterfly McQueen. The Mosquito Coast made only $110,000 over its opening weekend, but did go on to take in $14.3 million overall. Fred and Dan, what did you guys think of the Mosquito Coast. Well, I can tell this is going to get contentious. Uh, I really like this movie. And this movie uh, holds a 
Uh, I, I, I don't want to say a special place in my heart, but I was really excited to rewatch it. I saw this movie a lot when it came out. Really? really? This is the yeah, first time I've ever it, seen it. Me yeah, too. I, I didn't see it in the theaters, which I'm surprised, but I saw it on cable a lot. And what it what it brought me back to rewatching and what I realized, and I've never really thought about this, I didn't I never realized how important Harrison Ford was to me. As an actor, you know, we, we talk about the show about like our acting heroes and, and I, ironically enough, you know, who's supposed to, speaking of acting heroes, your acting hero, Jack Nicholson was supposed to play this role originally. That, that's all I kept go. thinking of watching there it. I'm like, go. this is Jack Nicholson's part. There yeah. You, you know go. why I turned it down? Cause yeah. he didn't want to miss all the, the, the basketball games, all the Lakers games. That's why that he almost sense. didn't do Batman. They, they, they made, they built in, you can go back to LA for Lakers games, like into his contract. And that was the only way that he would do. That's the only way he did a lot of movies in the eighties and nineties was like, can Makes I make sense. it to the game? That, that, it's amazing that you say that. Cause I did not read that anywhere, but I was like, this is such a Jack Nicholson, it's such a perfect Jack Nicholson yeah. part. Or if you're not like Jack Nicholson is right on the nose. And honestly, I feel like Harrison Ford is kind of doing Jack Nicholson almost a little bit or like his mm. take on Jack. Ni and maybe that's just coincidence because it's so perfect for Nicholson that like a lot of people going down that kind of crazy dad path would sound like him. But maybe. I kept seeing Jack in it. Or yeah. I even thought like maybe a Michael Douglas even I could see. Somebody a little rougher around the edge. Yeah. I don't know what it is. But I thought Nicholson mainly. But yeah. All right. Go ahead. I'm just so interested. That's so interesting because I thought of him a lot and did not know that about the movie. So, yeah. I mean, I almost think, uh, you know, whatever you think of Harrison Ford's performance, I, I, I almost think that Nicholson might have been. I think he would have delved into the same ter territory and my fear was that he would have gone over the top, a little too over the top on it. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Mm. But I, so I was really excited about it because of Harrison Ford at the time. And, you know, we've talked about like people that, you know, inspired me, you know, like getting really into De Niro and Pacino and all those different actors at a certain point. But I think about it like Harrison Ford was my first favorite actor because of Star Wars, because of Han Solo, because of Empire Strikes Back, and then more so because of Indiana Jones. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. without me even knowing it. At the time, like, I sought out his movies. I remember, you know, anything that he was in, I remember seeing The Frisco Kid, him and Gene Wilder, and yeah. loving that. Mm -hmm. like, we watched that in Hebrew school, and I was so excited. I was like, oh, Harrison Ford, we got to watch his stuff. And, like, I remember, like, watching Force 10 from Navarone at my grandparents' house on a Saturday afternoon. And even in, uh, in Apocalypse Now, he's got a small role. Like, yeah. I, And so, and we've we talked about this with Blade Runner. I mean, I love the movie, but for me, it was also what initially excited me about it was, oh, my I'm God. I'm sorry. I have to take a nap since we're talking about Blade Runner. I'll be back. Oh, no. Don't bring up taking a nap. That's gotten us in trouble before, Dan. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah. You insensitive asshole. God I was really excited about Blade Runner, uh, knowing before I even saw it that it was going to be a brilliant Ten Shield movie, but. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did you say. Blade but I was excited One mostly. Of those words put me to sleep instantaneously. Oh. I was mostly excited because it was Harrison Ford. And I was like, I love Harrison Ford. Wow, he's got a cool new haircut. What's up with that? This is going to be great. Similar with Mosquito Coast. I was excited that it was a Harrison Ford movie. Cool new haircut. <laughs> Hair was longer. But it also 
looked like something really different, which it is. This is a very different role yeah. for Harrison Ford. And, you know, yes, I, the, the, to the argument that he was miscast, I really like him in it, but I can totally see why, uh, you know, a, a majority would, would think that. Because it is outside his wheelhouse and he's doing things or trying to do things that maybe he doesn't do. It's all, you know, within that Harrison Ford, uh, you know, thing that he, he you know, a lot, of, a lot of pointed fingers. Pointing fingers in the a lot, face. A lot of pointing fingers of point, in the whenever, face. Whenever it's <laughs> time to do earnest, concerned earnestness, I'm going to point my finger in your face and look you in the eye and say it with, with intense earnestness but and i his, think he does his it other great. speed his other speed in this is disgust he's got two speeds in this and you need yeah, a but, lot more to play this guy well i don't know it's interesting watching it now within this day and age oh, yeah. as we're yeah. older because as soon as this movie started and i didn't think about this at the time obviously for many reasons and, and when i saw it at the time i always knew he was an unlikable character you know, yeah. and it gets to the point where you understand why the kids are like, let's leave him. I hope he dies. I hope he sure. dies. Uh, but that's the, watching that's it the strong now, suit of the movie. That's the movie's strong suit is because you are on, you're pretty much on team Harrison Ford for a good chunk until he goes cuckoo cray cray. And then you're like, oh boy. But yes and no, because here's the thing, watching it now. You're like, okay, right, right when it starts, that's a guy who'd storm the Capitol. That, that's exactly. a guy. He's QAnon. And, and that he's totally QAnon. He is the angry white male who's like, if I can't have it my way, I'm going to burn it all to the ground. And I think this is, I mean, I, I didn't realize this until this rewatch. Paul Schrader wrote the screenplay. Yeah. And that makes sense because that's yeah. Paul Schrader's thing, writing yes. about obsessive Obsessed. men. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, who struggle with what it means to be a male and yeah. really, you know, the warts and all aspects of being, you know, taxi driver, raging yeah. bull, affliction, yeah. like that's, that's his thing. No and, question. and it's all there. And, you know, what's interesting, what I find interesting about this movie too, is in other movies, and maybe this would make it a better movie. I don't know. Or maybe it doesn't need it. Most movies I feel like would show, what he's talking about, how America has been taken over by consumerism and capitalism. You have more of that, yeah. You don't see any of that. It's just no. his purview. It's not like he walks in. He walks into the hardware store. He asks yes. a young Jason Alexander. Yeah, right. Which is crazy. He came out of there. The yeah. Went, oh my gosh. You know, he asks him for. It's I George. think it's tape or something. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it's like you, you don't see. It's like in today's. You know, if the movie was made today, everyone would be on their phones or yes. there would be more uh, overt, you know, uh, imagery of the stuff that he is trying to get away of. And they don't do yeah. that here, which I sort of I sort of like. I want an eight foot length of rubber seal with foam backing. This country's going to the dogs. Nobody cares. I just work here. That's the attitude. Buy junk, sell junk, eat junk. Three ninety nine. Don't want it. That's what you asked for. Who are you working for? The Japanese? If you don't want it, just say so. Just said so, Jack. Don't want it. Look, made in Japan. I don't want my hard-earned American dollars converted into yen. I want an American length of rubber seal. Do you work here? All right, we'll get it someplace else. This is not the only place in town. Goodbye. Or maybe I should have said sayonara. 
you know, even the fact that he's like, you know, you know, you mentioned this earlier, the fact that he's going, you know, we have to bring this to these people. We have to bring these to the people. They're fucking savages. He's a racist. Yeah. He's a, yes. as much as he thinks, you know, it's really a character study of the, the you know, the white male the white savior, patriarchal. Yeah. yeah savior. Yeah, the, yeah. White, the white patriarchal savior who, who thinks he's the hero. And that and isn't that the, the you know, the sort of the QAnon uh, code at this point? <laughs> I wasn't there with it at the beginning of like seeing it through quite that lens. To uh, me, it was more like I knew something was going to go wrong. I knew things were going to head downhill pretty quickly. But I was sort of of the mind of like, oh, they're painting him kind of like a, a Dr. Stockman. You know what I mean? Who has yeah. his ego problems mm-hmm. uh, in Enemy of the People, Ibsen's Enemy of the People, who does have an ego, his ego problem. We saw a great production of it at the Goodman a couple of years ago that Robert Falls directed. And they really, this production really leaned into that, that Stockman is on top of being a brilliant scientist, is an egomaniac. And with a mm-hmm. quarter turn could could be this sort of authoritarian sort of, you know, autocrat if, give, if yeah. given enough power. And this that's what's kind of cool about this movie is he puts himself in the place of absolute power. He is the authority. He has all the control. He has all of the the means for their survival. And he's the only one. There's that great scene on the raft where he's like, oh, are you in charge now? Great. You 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 make us survive, he says to Helen Mirren in a very disturbing yeah. scene, right? And you go, oh boy, he has really gone down the the, the oh, rabbit yeah. hole. I was on board with this movie for a lot of it, for a lot, a lot, a lot of it. But I I, I think the, the, and this was my first time seeing it. What, Jason, did you always think just from the poster or the images you've seen of this, yeah. that this was always going to be some sort of like, like, um, taught suspense thriller. <laughs> That's what I thought I was settling in for. And then I was I like, oh, d- this is like Captain Fantastic. This is a, this is a movie about uh, a family. Captain yeah. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, yes. A, fa- a survivalist family. I never, ever knew that that's what this movie was about. I did not. I, 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 I and mean, I'll put in Cosby. Um, <laughs> I, please do. No, or put I in don't. you saying put in Cosby. I think, I, I think I thought it was, um, I think I I equated it with something like not out of Africa or yeah like out of yeah. Africa gorillas in the mist like yeah oh, very gorillas in the mist same kind it's a quarter turn from gorillas in the mist uh, yeah. like like in fact I don't know which I don't think it was nominated for anything I think I thought it was like a prestige Oscar film at the time it even, plays uh, like an Oscar it plays bait like that. I think they and wanted it, came it to out be at that for time, Harrison obviously Ford. this is yeah mm-hmm. the November right before, yep. is uh, any kind of drama yeah. coming out at this time is like making that bid um True. but I don't think it got any nominee I was actually surprised to see that it's kind of you know no the box office was weak but that it was also critically not um that, that, that critics didn't care for it either. Mm. I didn't know that ahead of time. I thought this was maybe a critic's darling or something. I, I just didn't, yeah, know. I didn't know. I just didn't know. Uh, so I didn't have a strong take on what it was going to be ahead of time. So I was very engaged with the movie the whole time because I, I, I will give it that. Like sometimes, you know, I don't know something. And after all these years, if you don't seek it out, it's got to like, it's got to catch you or yeah. you're like, uh, there's a reason I never watched this. I, I, Peter Weir is such a great director. He's so and there's good. so many visuals that it, it's a beautiful looking movie. And there's so many great yeah. moments or scene, not, not scenes as much as, uh, although there are some wonderful scenes, but just great images like the, that, that, that structure, you know, the, the ice machine or is like this monolith, monolith from 2001 yeah. Yeah. and yeah. And, yeah. and the moment where the, cool. the natives are watching it and it's kind of 
hidden beneath you see the moon way out in the sky up in the sky mm-hmm. and, and then it's covered in plastic but they're welding underneath so you see it's like this muted vision of what this monstrous thing is that the the white man is bringing to the jungle it's, a, yeah. it's so very a lot of very powerful images it's beautiful images yeah um River Phoenix is great. Uh, it's not that oh, the great. he's so good. I, I just he's beautiful was like, in it, yeah. I, I did. I, I will say the first three seconds of the movie, I had the same thought for, it. I was like, I can see the MAGA cap uh, sitting on his head. I yep. can just see it. Mm. And I was like, you know, and I, and I thought, you know, this maybe played very differently then. I don't know. But now right away, we're like, Oh, I know that. I know that. I know that guy. I know that yeah. uh, that energy. Um, I can put a a, a, a a face in it. I can put wardrobe on that on that on that <laughs> character right away in my mind. Um, yeah, I just kept thinking that Harrison Ford was, uh, uh, you know, admirably, and he's a he's a very talented man. He's a he's a, a great movie star, great actor. But that he was, I didn't believe him. I never believed him in the role. And I felt like he, this is a harsh thing to say, but he let the movie down as a result. I think the movie has other problems. I think, I think Helen Mirren's role is really quite thankless because I don't see, I, I, I don't get why she doesn't, um, High counter counter him more forcefully earlier because he's not he's not like a terror where you say like oh well that's a woman who knows like if I speak up I'm gonna get the back of his hand or something that's not the relationship they seem to have and I'm surprised no. by how willingly him. she goes she's, along with so much of it how much she buys into all of it was somehow surprising to me just because she's not terribly fleshed out you know what I mean no, I get it in a right. child but I don't get it as much in the wife because they don't really have scenes together they don't have dialogue together so I thought that was a weakness in the screenplay although she's wonderful. And I think mm-hmm. he kind of lets it down for me because I was like, I just don't, I don't believe him. I see, you know, you said, I'm afraid Jack Nicholson would have been a little over the top. I think it needs a little over the top. It needs yeah. like a guy that you're like, he's, oh my God, he's fucking scary. I don't know what he's going to do next. You know, that where he's charming and then the, the, the light switch flips. And I don't, Harrison Ford just doesn't get there for me. And then I, I see it as a performance as opposed to really buying into like the experience, which the otherwise the film in many regards does pull me into the experience. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. It, it seems like Harrison Ford is, is, like you said, kind of putting on a costume that doesn't quite fit him. And, and like I said before, to me, he's just got the two speeds. The moment when the, when the, I think this is a more of a Peter Weir fault, flaw in the, in the movie, or maybe editing the moment where the, the, the switch does flip is, or where it starts to, or where we're supposed to um, gauge that, oh, things have changed now is the moment where the ice machine is working and he looks out and the, and the mm-hmm. River Phoenix voiceover says, and he started to um, uh, you know, he, dad started to get angry at, at, uh, the people taking his ice for granted. And yes. that's, and when that's they interesting. start to, yeah. yeah. And when they start to like, he's given them this big gift and now he's not even getting properly thanked or lauded or heralded for it. And, and that, that moment needed to have more weight to it. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it's hard to blame Harrison Ford for that because they're not on him very long. No. He's just sort of looking disgusted for, a, you know, a five second shot. And then we go to crazy town 
real, real quick when he's hauling the ice, the melting ice through the through the mountains yeah. to bring it to the to the tribe uh, that's up in the mountains somewhere. And then he, of course, <laughs> makes the big fatal mistake. And it's yeah. like, ah, I don't I need more out of that moment. The switch flipping moment for me to mm-hmm. buy the rest of what happens in, uh, in this. Um, you know, I, I think he's. Harrison Ford's game for it. He just, oh, yeah. he just becomes a better actor later. I mean, you watch regarding Henry and you go, there is, the, there he is. There's the guy who, who has other speeds, who has other depths to plumb. You know, he's terrific in the, in um, the movie about Jackie Robinson as, as branch Ricky, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's, there's other, there's more, there's more to him, but it's just not, it hasn't fully formed yet here. And I, I, I'm, I'm not putting it all on Harrison Ford's shoulders. Cause like I say, he's, he's game for the task. And I was, I was into this movie um, a lot, but we spend a lot of time watching this guy go down a, a, a rabbit hole that we, we already, we know that he's going to, he's going to go down it. And, and, you know, we, we know things are going to go bad. Um, when that thing explodes it explodes 36 wow. times it was it was it nuclear was, you know was and, pretty, and that was a great shot post yeah, and phenomenal. you have to do, explode it like that because after that it does look like a nuclear wasteland looked, yeah, like, like scorched like, earth yes yeah. he was exactly. that he was threatening was gonna happen he was in scorched earth now and that he's been telling them happened in america remember he did, tells a big lie afterwards? to the family he goes, I'm happy. We're free. Like, yeah. that's the thing to your oh. point. I agree with you, Dan. I think there were, there's some editing. There's so where much I feel good like in this. Yeah. The, 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 the shots cut off a little too soon. And I want yeah. to see a little bit more. And maybe they were trying to tighten it up, you know? Oh, they um, definitely were because there's some weird sped up stuff towards the end. Did you catch that? There's weird, no, like, no. now we're in yada, da, 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 Keystone Cops. The, the film is sped up. Oh, at, I didn't at, notice at two that. Separate I didn't notice when that at all. When they're like, you know, it was sort of in long shot, and it's it's two points around the around the church stuff with Andre Gregory, where, yeah. where they are, where they are, um, just people moving around, and 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 it's sort of long shots of that, and and I was like. Is it sped up here? Maybe it was just mm. my, I don't know, my Roku Maybe. or something was off. But I was like, there was two times uh, when I went, this looks like Keystone Cops now. But he's a guy who always, his his mind is always in motion. I actually think Harrison Ford is great for it. But just knowing Harrison Ford is a carpenter. Harrison Ford is a guy who builds stuff. That's his yeah, thing. That so, works, yeah. That part of it works. I don't know. I'm just knowing that. <laughs> I. I <laughs> yeah, that works. He could have been. He could have been the contractor that Jack Nicholson brings. <laughs> like build listen, that for me. I <laughs> really he, like if, him. In listen, it. if he shot first when when uh, Andre, <laughs> if he was having dinner with Andre, uh, his dinner with Andre across the oh, table. God. That's not, that's the same Andre, right? I know. Andre yes. Is my dude. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. He was very good. Thank in it. You. He's very, he's creepy then, in it. And then he shot first. Then you would have, that's another <gasps> thing. Harrison Ford does well is shoot so, first. Something. I'm trying some, to also justify the good cast, the good part of the casting. I, I think, I think that I, it's very interesting too, right? That he's so, He's so anti the missionary and thinks he's such a hypocrite, but he's basically doing the same thing. He's godlike and he's trying to bring, he's bringing a different kind of religion, the religion of science and like, you know, the white, but it's, Mm -hmm. it's still white saviors coming to like impose on the people for their own good, you know, to bring them something that's for their own good, supposedly. I think that's very interesting. I want to give a shout out to the actor who plays Mr. Hattie, Conrad Roberts. I thought he was really fantastic. And I, 
felt that moment where things turn in that relationship. You know, you say the moment where Ford says, I'm happy, we're free, mm. but I don't, I don't think he, you know, he doesn't believe it. He's saying it. My point was, I didn't didn't finish my point is that he's always, his mind is always in motion. So every time something, so you're, you know, he, he, he makes the ice, he does it. He's great. But why do people don't appreciate it enough? So, you know, I'm going to bring it to people who yeah. are even less well off. We're going to fucking haul this. Yeah. He's always, he's constantly searching for the next thing that he thinks he's being a savior, but he just wants to be propped up. He just wants to be propped up. He as just wants to be the right. savior. He just he wants, wants to be, to be right. right. So even yeah. when he sees his family are like, oh, thank God we can go home. We've been through something so torturous. He can't allow it. His, pro- yeah, it's, fa- it's great. It's great. It's a great uh, element of the, of the character, but yeah, yeah. One of the characters, and I don't remember who says it, there's a line that says, that's the worst thing, a know-it-all who's sometimes right. Oh, it's the, um, uh, he was great. I think his the name is Dick O'Neill. Farmer. The, yeah. the farmer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Dick it. O'Neill, I think, he's was the true, actor's name because really I wrote good. it down. I thought he was really great in yeah. those moments. I think that's his name. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a great, that's great when he's talking to River Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And I like very, it. I like good. it that it's unrelenting. He's, it's an unrelenting character. I mean, again, I really like what Harrison Ford does in it. I'm also rooting for him because I go back to when I was, first saw this movie and I was rooting for him. And I'm like, that's my guy. He's doing something different. Even at the time, I knew, you know, even at the time watching it then, I knew that there were moments that didn't, that he was getting a little too intense. There's a scene with Hattie where he starts it off. It's just out, out, out the gate. It's too much. And even then I knew, okay, he's swinging for the fences here. He's trying something new. It's maybe, you know, I think even then I recognize that maybe it's a little out of his wheelhouse and maybe he's not there yet, but I was rooting for him. I still root for him in the movie watching it now. And I like just the writing. I like what Schrader does and how Peter Weir directs it that it, it's unrelenting in that, that they're saying, this is who this guy is. Yeah. And he's not going to have that aha moment of, oh, wait, I was wrong all the time. He is going to keep shifting and turning and saying, I blew up this ice machine. Great. I'm free. This is, see, see, we On can do something else. Yeah. I, I was right. I was right. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't have good things. And I, I, it's, it's infuriating and look, yes, maybe both of you are right. Maybe if there was another actor who is, they were able to bring more to that possibly. Uh, but I, I appreciate what the movie's trying to do, what the screenplay's trying to do and what he's trying to do. Look around you. How did America get this way? Land of promise, land of opportunity. Give us the wretched refuse of your teeming shores. Have a Coke. Watch TV. Have a nice day. Go on welfare. Get free money. Turn to crime. Crime pays in this country. I love like how River Phoenix is so he he worships his dad and he's yeah. so scared of him too. Yeah, you know, great. there's something really beautiful about that. He is his a performance in the movie. Yeah, he's quite good. And he's such, I mean, he's such a ringer for Harrison Ford. You see Harrison Ford's face in his face. And then face. he plays and then the young Harrison Ford. Yeah. Yeah. Jones. I love it. Jones but he's really so great. Good. What a good actor. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Oh, it's so fucking creepy. He keeps got mother. He calls her mother all the time. Harrison Ford calls Helen Mirren. Yeah, we never learn her first name. She's just mother. Yeah, I know. Which is very like survivalist. I feel like that's something you do like in, you know, survivalist Mormon County or something. I get this eight Sheila's. I'm going to go seven. 
I'm going to go seven. There's a lot to like about this. There are great craftspeople at work here on this. Yeah. I love yeah. Peter Weir. So much of this is, is you know, uh, um, did resonate with me, but I, I, I couldn't get over the hump of, of like, ah, this, 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 you know, uh, not a better leading actor. He's Harrison Ford is real, real good and likable and we love him, but, but a, a, a leading actor that could plumb this thing for more depths and more colors. So I'm, I can't go above a seven. I, I agree. Uh, yeah, I agree with you, Dan, but I'm, I'm right. in I'm right in the middle. I'm 7.5 oh, is what I had nice. down. So I'm going nice. to keep it. I'm going to nestle myself betwixt you. The phone is ringing. You guys, oh, the my phone goodness. is, has been ringing for a little while now. Let's go ahead and pick up. <laughs> Hello. You're on the opening weekend podcast. You're here. It's been a long time, whoever you are. Uh, that's since we've had a call. You're on yeah. with Fred. And or Jason and or Dan. Mm, he's never on with this, all please. of us. Yeah, you're on with all of us. Soon I'll drop out. But, you, but you're on with all of us <laughs> for the time being. Uh, hello. Uh, once again, it's uh, it's been a little while. Oh, Adam. Adam. Yes. How are you? Oh, you're a little tired these days, I have to say. Oh. Look, look at, looking after Richard Jr. and Richardna and just the constant changing of, of diapers, you know, oh. we've got oh. fish, we've got birds, we've got fish birds, we've got quail uh. salmon. I mean, there we've got bees. They're a little bit of everything. The diapers are never on quite right. Isn't that right, <laughs> Jacob? You've been helping. Yeah. Mm, my And my diapers constantly, you would think now... <clears throat> After like thirty years, I'd have the so I'd have years. the diaper figured out, but mine's also askew. Is that a word? For those of you who don't who are just tuning in for the first time, this You're is wonderful. Yeah. This, this, this hey, how are you guys? This I'm is good. Adam and Jacob Joseph. They mm-hmm. were the babies in Baby's Day Out, which is Dan's favorite yeah. movie. And they, for right. for a long for two years now, they've been calling in, and they've My been favorite. they've gone through so many changes, literally physically. Uh, uh, their DNA has changed. Diaper. Adam was an Ardwolf at times. Pick it um, up. Pick it up stupid uh, diaper. What well, keeps flying out? How am I supposed to put it through? Under uh, and yeah. through? Here, here's some duct tape. Just ouch, duct tape ouch, it ouch, on. Ouch, 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 oh, ouch, careful ouch, of your ouch, skin. ouch, Careful ouch. of your skin. It's the and hair. And we should probably I also explain that they're babysitting supple, supple the, the, the children of uh, Richard yes. Dreyfus mm-hmm. and our super fan, number one super fan, Sheila. Yes, mm-hmm. we've moved in. We've fully moved in. We have we have left. Uh, we're, we're, pa- we're a pair of au pairs. <laughs> you took over from the Pantagelian Burns babysitting. <laughs> that was a fiasco. Yeah, oh, that was, when we got here. I thought just, it was great. <laughs> well, uh, listen, it that was, was a, not. It, talk about diapers from, from one end of this place to the other. There was just oh my god! I don't even want to. The smell. Oh mm. god. <laughs> Jacob uh, liked it for, for a little I while. I liked it a little because it remembers like, it fondly. Yeah, because it's like home. It's like because I'm always <laughs> carrying around a little bit of that. So I'm guessing you know. that you guys are calling. I feel like every time you call Adam, you yes. have, you know, because you're part of the, uh, what was it, the, the Army of Freelancers? The Army of Freelancers, the worker bees. Uh, as it were, and uh, um, you know, so many things, so many jobs I've had uh, along with my brother uh, over the over the years and decades. Hey, um, I have a joke. Oh. <laughs> 
Yes, he's been dying to tell this. Yes, please. He's been writing this yeah. for, some for, people, for months now. Some Go people, because it's about your movies you're making now. So yes. um, some people are solo babies, but we're twins. <laughs> That's a really good joke, Jacob Solo Joseph. babies instead of solar babies. Yeah, and, no, I get it. I, I pooped mm, my that, pants listening, laughing. That was so good. <laughs> good for you. Good for you. Now you're one of us. One I'll of change us. you now. <laughs> now I'll change you if we were in the Ooh. same place. But it's just a phone. He, I'm assuming exactly. you have some new businesses for us, Adam. I'm sorry. You assume correctly. No, don't apologize, Jacob Joseph. Solo babies. Uh, well, I have. I have. A, I have a couple of new, really good ideas. One which is really, really special. But we'll do my first one first. Um, yes, I have a great idea. Tell me what you think of this for okay. a new. A new. You know, I love restaurant ideas. You oh, know, yeah. I love those. Um, and Jacob Joseph and I have been brainstorming this one, haven't we, Jacob Joseph? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, Richard Jr. No, don't t- don't try to climb up the don't try to climb up the drawer. You have to secure those drawers. In more <laughs> He's trying I'll to climb up the chest of drawers, and if that falls get on him, get your fin back in there. Yeah, get that yeah, fin go in back there. To sleep. Good. Please He's take it. Please now. watch the babies while I, while I, you know. Uh, okay, you uh, talk about businesses and I'll watch Fred. these babies. Okay. Lay the fuck right. down. <laughs> Lay the fuck down. <laughs> Fucking babies. Babies are bad. And when babies do bad things, then they have to live their whole life with a diaper. <laughs> wow. Wow. Jacob. Jacob. I'm disciplining. Really- I've been giving Jacob do- the Dr. Spock book, but he thinks it's a Mr. Spock book. Um, <laughs> I was wondering. I was like, get to the good stuff. Get, get to the, the mind pointy, melds. Pointy ears. The burrito toast. The burrito toast. Why go to the trouble of wrapping your meat, cheese, <laughs> beans, and other condiments in a tortilla when you can just spread them on a nice piece of toast? That's a tostada, you say? I say you're wrong. Dead wrong. Don't tell me what I am or am not insensitively culturally appropriating. Choose from white, pumpernickel, or brioche. There's no insensitivity here. The burrito toast. It's mooey toasterific. That's not insensitive. Richard, Richard Dreyfus, our uh, employer, was saying that you can't go there. I, th- I think you can, and you have, and you will, and we shall. I shall go there and buy it's the so burrito good. toast. I mean, the ginger is so good when you spread and it on good the toast for you. like that. And mm-hmm. good. <laughs> it's also good when you spread burrito ingredients on toast. Oh, that was what you were referring to. <laughs> You're silly. Aren't I? Get in that drawer! What's next? <laughs> that fucking drawer! Your flippers and shit. You're disgusting. You're such a good dad. You really are. You're a very good Not dad. Not a dad yet. I mean, a good au pair mm. of the pair. You're the I'll show you a good au pair. <laughs> Boing! Put <laughs> your diaper back on. Okay, once. I'm sorry. Next business, okay. please. The, be- <laughs> the best business idea I've ever, ever had. Yeah. Strap yourself in, Fred Berman. Are I'm you strapped ready? in. Yeah. 
Where did Dan and Jason go, by the way? We're right, right here. No, we've, been, they, we've been silently been listening. listening. It's oh, hard wow. to. I've been enjoying it. It's, it's you always say that it's so hard to mix these episodes when there's too many <laughs> voices talking. So I thought no, we'd just. No, you're right. I just, I was curious. I didn't, I, I didn't know, see you guys. I didn't see you on the screen. No, so. Too many we're, cooks. We're still here. We're still yeah, we're here. here. We're here. We're listening. Go ahead, Adam. Thank you. Go ahead, Adam. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, JJ. Hey. <laughs> ready? I'm ready. Solar Babies Day Out. Oh, <laughs> whoa. whoa. That's right. The babies are back. <laughs> it's a post-apocalyptic wasteland, and the world is running low on formula. What will your favorite babies from the 1994 classic Babies Day Out, Adam and Jacob Joseph, do? And more importantly, what will they eat? Adam and JJ are all grown up and roller skating their way into your heart. This time, they're on the search not for Bodie, but Toadie. See, we get Toad involved, and he's who we're searching for oh, all the time. Toadie, yeah. I call him. Toadie and his mysterious and benevolent melted-off face, which will tell us what to do. <laughs> and in case you were wondering, yes, Joe Mantegna is back. I haven't called him yet. I've got to give him a call somewhere. I have his number to see if he'll be He's back. He's available. Yes, Joe. <laughs> yes, Joe Mantegna is back. Will he help the grown-up roller skating babies find their milk? Or will he get his nuts lit on fire once again? <laughs> One thing's for sure. You can't spell apocalyptic without some of the letters that also spell lacto and poopy. <laughs> wait, wait, so is this a, I'm sorry, sorry, is this a movie that you're pitching? Yes, I'm like, pitching a new movie. Oh, I thought it was a, when you say a business, I thought it was a, I didn't realize the, sequel, the, the business is the out. movie. That's Solar awesome. Solar Babies Day Out. You'll a have production. a lacto pooping good time oh, at God. Solar Babies Day Out. You're now, like the Al Ruddy of shitty baby movies. <laughs> like it. Can we, who can we get to fund this? How can we start to, is Mel, Mel Brooks. Brooks still alive? <laughs> is he still with us? Can yes, we call he Carl is. Reiner? Can we call other Mel Brooks cohorts? Wait, one of them is gone. Is it Carl <laughs> Reiner? Gone like missing? Oh, dead. No, no, one of them passed oh. away. Carl Reiner. Oh, Mel Brooks Carl is still Reiner. alive. Right. He's Mel alive Brooks and is still well, with yeah. us. Oh, oh thank right. God. I'm uh, just letting you know I was still here after changing these fucking things. Oh, my God. Jacob, Joseph, are the babies doing okay? Are they, doing, are they doing all right? I don't know. I shut the drawer. I'm just going to let God sort it out. Richard, Richard, the babies are fine. You don't need to come. At, oh, Richard. Rich, we're on the phone with the two friends. It's not what to do, Richard Dreyfus right now. It's just not what to do. Oh, we can all do Richard Dreyfus. Let's all do it. Walter Fred. And like, and he this. dropped it. He threw. We threw really? Bodie. Really, you're throwing it. You're throwing this to me. Yeah, okay. His his eyebrows furrowed. And he got a disappointed look on his I face, did. like you. I got to do this now. He's like, I have oh, a career. I have a what career are you to, to my children? Oh, no. there there's, there's the real Richard Dreyfus. Yeah. Not my ham-fisted impression of him. <laughs> What's Richard, up, Richard? Richard? Richard you, your children are fine, aren't they, Jacob Joseph? Yeah, that was that's they just they're in the drawer. Did you want them there? Why is Richard dressed like Duddy Kravitz again? <laughs> I, I said not. that movie brings back bad memories. Oh, I should have won the Oscar. 
I got it from your wardrobe. You two are the same size. For I thought you said it brought back dad memories, and I was like, I wanted to remind you, you were their dad. I'm stupid. What do you got? What's the other guy? What's your third? What's the third business? There's always three. I don't. I don't have a third one. Jacob Joseph, do you have something for the voyage home? Oh yeah. Um yeah. Um I have. I had an idea. It was um. Or maybe Richard. Co- no, I have. I have no, no, it. Go ahead, please. It's called. It's called. <laughs> it's called Car Wreck Four. <laughs> the Voyage Home? Question mark. And meaning that if you get into a car wreck, you need to get home still. So Ooh, you so you call the number four on your phone, just one <laughs> digit. And then I will come over and I'll get you because I don't because I have Tuesdays off. So if you like if I'm not putting these fucking things in drawers, if I'm not putting babies in drawers, Gashiel is calling me. Please take care of my children. Take them out of the drawer. I am. But but, but, but I should have never gotten rid of that nice Frankie Pantagely and Ed Burns. Now, now, wait a minute. That's stepping over the line, Richard. You have stepped over the line. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, my God. Hello? Hello? Oh, guys. Well, there we go again. That was always happens like that. Adam, his Ardwolfian, in case people don't know, Adam was half Ardwolf, but the tendencies are still there. He's kind of a wild, he can go wild sometimes. He's a a wild animal. He's a wild animal. Sounds like he just attacked Richard Dreyfus for insinuating that Pantangeli and Burns were, that they were better off with that duo. Pantangeli and Burns are um, (laughs) one person's a real person, Ed Burns. And, uh, you know, filmmaker that we don't like. And then the other one is a character played by a man who's long dead, uh, Frankie Pantangeli from The Godfather Part Two. But somehow this fictional dead person and this... Wait a minute, is that the heaven phone? Do you hear the heaven phone now? Oh. I hear it. Hello? You're on the heaven phone? <laughs> Nobody we can talk to? We got fired from the job. Frankie Pantangeli. I think it's because you... Richard and Sheila said, take it one baby. <laughs> and then you said, take it another baby. And I said, sure, why not? And then they fired us. I was just being amenable. Is that right, Eddie? I, I, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know. Uh, wait, I'm I, not, I got, let me get in the wheelhouse. I don't know. Yeah, why? How are you here? This is there's some crazy connections going on here with these all these phones. It's like Monopoly. Just visiting. (laughs) Just visiting. Is that so much more heaven? Is your career is in heaven? Oh, that's what it is. If your career is dead, better than the other place. Heaven phone. Better than the other place. Uh, Yeah, no, I think uh, Frankie, Mr. Pantangeli, or whatever you like to be called. I think. I think. Yeah, you call me Mr. Pantagelli. I say, sure, yeah. No, absolutely. Thank Where you. Where am I supposed to make my bucks? How am I supposed to get my, my canopies? He you loves a dramatic pause. He but loves a dramatic pause, that Frankie Pantagelli. I think because you, pa- I think because you passed away, you're not like a long time ago. You're not the, you're not an ideal babysitter that, I mean, even, oh, <laughs> 
I'm sorry. Wait, there's, 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 there's a time phone. That's the time phone. That's yet another phone. Mr. Nolte? Sorry. Are you oh, God. Wait, let me see if I can get that. Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> the reason I'm calling is because I'm the alarm that Jason set on his phone to tell him he's got to go feed the meter. Jason, are you there? Yes, Nick Nolte. You actually do have to go downstairs and put some money in the meter on, so that your car doesn't get a ticket. Oh, all right. Oh, so nice I guess that you're calling from the past to remind us, or the future, or wherever the hell you are. Oh, look, you I, say the past. Nick Nolte says the future. I said. I think now I think you should feed the meat and this would be a good time for all of our listeners who left uh, they can come back now and that's a little something we like to call phone call (laughs) (laughs) the the rights the rights are available through Samuel French you feed the meter you feed the meter and and make sure you're careful (laughs) after you feed the meter make sure you're careful on your voyage home Oh, again, earning his keep in stellar fashion. Stellar, also related to stars, so I did something. Wow. (laughs) I did did a little something, too. Star, star, Trek 4, The Voyage Home. Judging by the pollution content of the atmosphere, I believe we have arrived at the latter half of the 20th century. Stardate, 1986. San Francisco. Our own world is waiting for us to save it. They have 24 hours. Everybody remember where we parked. Break up. To complete their mission. It looked like a cadet review. We will beam in tonight, collect the photons, and beam out. I want you all to be very careful without being discovered. We have an intruder. All right, who are you? You're not exactly catching us at our best. That much is certain. This is an extremely primitive and paranoid culture. What does it mean, exact change? Many of their customs will doubtless take us by surprise. We're ready for beam out. My transporter power is down to minimal. I've got to bring in one at a time. You're from outer space. No, I'm from Iowa. I only work in outer space. After killing, reincarnating, searching for, and then finding Mr. Spock, played by Leonard Nimoy, who also directs, the ragtag former crew of the USS Enterprise receive a planetary distress call from Earth. A space probe has entered into orbit, disabled power on a global scale, and is evaporating the planet's oceans. Captain Kirk, played by William Shatner, and his crew decide to travel back in time to the late 20th century to retrieve a pair of now-extinct humpback whales, which Spock has deduced will be able to communicate with the probe and send it away from Earth. What follows is a delightful and surprising time travel comedy unlike any Trek film before or since. Nimoy's direction of Star Trek III was deemed so successful that Paramount gave him free reign to make the film he wanted to see, a lighter-hearted adventure with no clear-cut villain, no space battles, and, if possible, an environmental message. Ignoring the cautionary tale of Richard Pryor and Superman III, however, the studio hoped to broaden the sequel's audience appeal by adding Eddie Murphy to the cast. But the script was not to Murphy's liking, and he decided to make that same year's The Golden Child for the studio instead, earning $16.9 million over its opening weekend, $109.7 million domestically, and a worldwide total of $133 million. Star Trek IV was the most successful film in the 30-year franchise spanning both the original and next-generation cast. 
outcasts and was not surpassed at the box office until J.J. Abrams' reboot in 2009. Fred and Dan, what did you guys think of Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home? I don't really like it that much. Uh, That's really all I have to say about it. I love it. (laughs) You kidding me? (laughs) I love it. I have said, Mm -hmm. I, I, I have seen this movie... Uh, a bajillion times and uh, each time it's just more and more delightful. And honestly, it vies fairly evenly with Star Trek two for me as my favorite of the, of all of the movies in the franchise. Mm-hmm. And it is for a lot of the reasons you just said, uh, Jason, it's because the villain in it is, is man. There's not a con or a Klingon right. or there's no, there, you're right. There's no space battles happening. It, it, it is a, it's a cautionary tale. Uh, and it there's is not even um, a working phaser gun in it. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're right. Oh, and that's something we have to talk that's about because, um, Chekhov violates the prime directive by tossing the phaser to the guy and then running away, which means somewhere in 1986, there's now a phaser. And that is a huge violation of the prime directive. You don't leave stuff behind from the future, from future technology um, to be examined and looked at and stuff. And he leaves his tricorder behind too. He leaves all this tech, future tech behind in the (sighs) 80s. And that's, that's, um, yeah, you're going to, you're 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 going to wind up. You're going to wind up terminatoring uh, yourself uh, like we talked about with <laughs> the Terminator really episode. Um, but anyway, um, I just love this movie. And, and, you know, there are comedic moments in Star Trek three, including the, uh, the famous don't call me tiny, including <laughs> yeah. that moment. But this one triples down on the comedy uh, big time. And that's, I think, what people needed out of their Star Trek at this point. You yeah. know, you've you've mined it for so much other stuff. And what's ironic and really special to me about this is that even though Gene Roddenberry was largely removed, you know, since Star Trek II, this is really sort of the Harve Bennett, Leonard Nimoy, Nicholas Meyer brand of Star Trek, which is kind of my favorite brand. And it spans Star Trek two through six. Uh, and um, they what, what's ironic about it is that they basically take this one back to Gene Roddenberry's uh, vision for what Star Trek is supposed to be. It's not supposed to be in his mind. It's not supposed to be about good versus evil, a ton of space battles, um, you know, um, uh, crazy uh, high stakes conflicts between uh, people or alien races and humanity or things like that. It's not it's it's sort of the opposite of of Star Wars in that way. And he always wanted it to be you know, a gentler kinder, kinder, gentler Mm -hmm. show. And isn't that right out of the eighties? Right. And this is, and this is that, uh, there's, there's some pretty harrowing footage of, of whale slaughter in this. And beyond that, there's really not anything that that's, that's going to, uh, that's going to rock that boat as far as, as far as Roddenberry's, uh, original Star Trek vision. I, I love my favorite thing in this is all the interplay between Shatner and Nimoy which you get little so glimpses of in the original series in some of the comedic moments in in episodes that tend comic like like a uh, piece of the action where they become gangsters they become 30s gangsters mm-hmm. and trouble Nemo's with Nemo's got great of comic timing. Oh my god, he's fantastic. As an actor and a as yeah. Spock and a director. You're yeah. exactly right. But, yeah, but, he, cu- he 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 cuts at the right time. He knows yeah. how to they know how to have that banter. The moment in the truck where she's like you guys like Italian and they do that no, yes, yes, no, no. We great. like it. Brilliant. And so do you. Yes. It's so so funny. It's great. Yeah. It's on Shatner all improvised. Too. Shatner yeah. is 
Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Shatner's fully on too. board with, with the, he's gotten over his <laughs> ego problem of <laughs> Leonard's directing uh, by this time. <laughs> right. And he's gotten over his, his, you know, I've read, you know, just from having read uh, the Shatner books, Star Trek memories and Star Trek I, movie I memories, which are great. And the I book, I am Spock, which is a great um, uh, uh, behind the, they're all great behind the scenes looks at all of the Star Trek um, stuff, especially the movies. Uh, but, um, you know, and this is the entree for, for Nemo to eventually direct Three Men and a Baby, which is, you know, mm-hmm. even more sort of tests the comedic chops. So you're absolutely right. And it's and it's super fun and super funny. And Catherine Hicks is great. She gets, you mm-hmm. know, doesn't get enough notice for how fun uh, and uh, on board she is with this. And I love that the 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 ancillary characters, sort of the bridge crew of Star Trek, they all get their fun moments, you know? Walter Koenig has more to do in this thing. He's he's basically, the you know, one of the second leads in this, and he's got all kinds of things to do and in this. he's really funny. He has great timing, yeah. too. He's really oh, he's funny. Great. Yeah, he's really, really yeah. great. And, uh, you know, George Takei, not a happy guy, according to um, a lot of, you know, um, in, in this the, film, the story. Right, because there's a whole subplot where he meets his oh, ancestors. Right. You know, he's got that famous line, right. Where did this go? I was bored there. Right. There's all kinds of stuff where he meets his ancestors in this. I've seen and the deleted scenes from that. It yeah. all got cut. It all got cut. And he was upset because he's like, why does Walter get this nice, big, juicy part in it? Well, because it's exciting and funny. And we didn't need the didn't stuff of meeting other. his ancestors because we wanted this to be a tight, tight movie. What I really love about the humor in the movie is it all seemed, I was expecting it to not work anymore. I haven't seen this movie in a long time. And, you know, I remember seeing it. Did you see it in the theaters, Dan? Were you into Star Trek at the time? You know, it's so funny. I was just getting into Star Trek at this time. Again, same, same pal I mentioned earlier, Wally Cito. He was one of the people who got me into Star Trek. So I don't, uh, I, I definitely, definitely saw Star Trek five in the theater with okay. my dad and with, with friends. I don't, I honestly don't remember if I saw four in the theater. I can't remember. Cause I remember we, I definitely saw, I'm probably saw this opening weekend because uh-huh. we were excited, Me too. you know, cause this was, it was so exciting because, you know, Star Trek two started it, obviously this, this trilogy. This is a trilogy. Um, yeah. It's a yeah. third, third yeah. trilogy. And, it was really, we were really, really excited for this. And when this came out, this definitely, and in our eyes at that time, this definitely overshadowed even two. We're like, this is the best Star Trek movie. Yeah, this everybody is, thought that. We loved this movie. I mean, and yeah. for years I would tell people that, you know, what's your yeah. favorite Star Trek movie? Oh, Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. Sure. It was the best. And I think for all the reasons, just because it was it was the funniest. Uh, and, and, and it was exciting too at the time because obviously- I don't know how many trilogies there were at that time, but it just seems so new and interesting that this was a, it's like, it's a third movie and it's continuing directly after search for Spock. That was Mm -hmm. sort of cool to be like, wow, this is taking off. Even we, we, I feel like we knew that going into it, that they were said that in the, in the press material, like this is, you know, they, they, they searched for him. They found him. Everything that happened in search for Spock happened. And people, you know, I think we, I think the general consensus was like, it was good. It was good, but it wasn't as good as Star Trek two, but we knew something else was coming. And the fact that this was coming right after it, that was exciting. So I remember going with a real sense of excitement, but anyway, I remember, you know, thinking it was very, very funny. And I was really pleasantly surprised that the humor, especially what we talked about with Spock and Shatner and all of them in the beginning, (laughs) really 
held up. Nothing seemed over the top. Nothing seemed silly or <laughs> sticky. It, they do a really, the fish out of water stuff yeah. really <laughs> works so well in this movie. It works mm-hmm. better than, it, you know, it could have very easily devolved into sitcom-y shtick. And it doesn't. It's mm-hmm. very, no. you get it where they're like, $100, is that a lot? They don't know. <laughs> and the guy you goes, know, they don't, <laughs> yeah, they great. don't know money. So great. for me... The interrogation scene where it lost me a little bit was the interrogation scene with Chekhov because it gets a, it's funny, don't get me wrong, but it's a little too, he's not that stupid. Chekhov's not that stupid. Like, it's not like, they're not, it's not like they're talking about, you know, stuff from the 1980s that he doesn't get. Yeah. They're just having, he's getting confused about things where I'm like, you should not be getting confused about that. Check right. off, you know. Yeah, right. yeah. It was There's, a little too. It was like who's on first, and yeah, yeah. Then, yeah it became a who's on first. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and then with the hospital, it was a I little. Love I bought the it. Hospital. Oh, the it hospital's the awesome. Hospital. I love it's that. funny, but it's again, it's at that point, it starts to to me, it jumps the shark, jumps the whale a little bit oh, because hello. I'm going. Uh-huh. I don't know. Really, there's no security. It, it was a little too loosey goo. It was a True. little too easy for me at the end. Yeah. Fun, very fun, but I'm like, how did Sulu just got the helicopter? He like they, they don't explain how he gets the helicopter. It just no. the, the whole escape was a little bit. It was a, it was more ridiculous and stupid than the first <laughs> third of the movie you're was right. playing. You're so absolutely right. That's yeah. the only thing where it, again fun, but in rewatching it. Going, oh, I wish they held on to it. I wish they didn't devolve into the Keystone Cops. Yeah, that that much there. Uh, yeah. But you know, I what what struck me this time with Chekhov the most was, and it never dawned on me going, you know, because when we when we saw it as kids, it was just always oh, saying vessels as vessels, and no one yes. understand him. But what dawned on me this time, it's he's a Russian course, asking yeah. where the yeah. where the nukes are. are. Yeah, like that's he's really a Russian funny. asking where of the nukes course, are. Of course, people are like, what? Uh, yeah. Don't talk to me. Yeah. And apparently that is improvised with actual San Franciscans. Yes. Yeah. Well, the, the, the girl, the girl, what I just read, the girl who has yeah. the line. Do you know the story? Yes. Oh, oh, it's, the, I think, I don't know where that is. It's in, I think it's in Alameda. Yeah. Alameda. That's what we said. She's not an actor. No, oh, she was an extra. Fantastic. And yeah. apparently I just read her car was impounded. She parked and her oh. car got impounded because they were like, you know, filming no parking today. Right. So she missed the warnings about that. So she approached the assistant director about peering as, you know, an, an extra so she could get enough money to get her car out of impoundment. Oh, I never and heard that. And they said, okay, you can do it. You just got to act naturally. And- that's so the story goes. That's yeah. funny. And they, and they kept her in there because she was the most natural, I guess. That's it's, hilarious. I didn't know that piece of the story. You watch, you watch where you're going, you dumbass. Double dumbass on you. Wow. Is double dumbass on you improvised? <laughs> I really hope it is. It's so fucking good. <laughs> Shatner gets called That's a great. dumbass. Double dumbass on you. Double dumbass on you. And With the great thing about double Shatner, which is also, you know, which is part of you know, the, the rap on him that he's, you know, this kind of egomaniac is that Captain Kirk also is like, 
I know everybody, I know how it all works here, you know, especially with Spock because Spock is so fish out of water and Kirk has this extra layer of confidence where he's like, I've done my research. I've done my homework. I know a little bit. So one of the best moments is when he goes up to, he thinks he's saving things and he goes up to, uh, uh, what's her name? Catherine, Catherine uh, Hicks, Catherine Hicks. And he says, you know, I think he, um, he went to Berkeley and he did a little too much LDS. <laughs> he says LDS, LDS. <laughs> but he plays so straight, you he know, and like slick. he doesn't wink at it. He thinks he's being slick. And she's like, yeah. uh-huh. Fantastic stuff. Fantastic. I will say about that hospital scene, Fred. Yes, it is. I actually, at, when I was watching it, I was like, is this going to be like Batman and Robin? Does somebody slip oh. and there's like a whoop? like sound effect. Uh, and I don't think that, and I was really listening. I was like, no, thank God that doesn't happen. But the music is very playful and keystone copy there. But yeah. what I love about it is it's such a great, it's so great for DeForest Kelly, like yes. his character to be there, a doctor of the future. Yep. talking about di- all these references to dialysis is the dark ages. Uh, yeah. Oh my God. They're the way they're talking about this man's cancer. It's like the Spanish inquisition mm-hmm. and they're talking, <laughs> he's like in drilling holes in his head, put away your butcher's knives, all of it. And you, th- when it's you great. think about it, you're like, Oh my God, in a way he's right, but it's all we have. I mean, when you put it yeah, in he's that, retro, he's terms, retro shaming people who don't right, know, right. Who don't know retro anything shaming. else. Brilliant. Yes. How do you explain slow impulse, low respiratory rate and coma? Fundoscopic, exactly. Fundoscopic examination is unrevealing in these cases. A simple evacuation of the expanding epidural hematoma will relieve the pressure. My God, man. Drilling holes in his head's not the answer. The artery must be repaired. Now put away your butcher knives and let me save this patient before it's too late. But it's so, it's all so uh, evocative and he plays it all so perfectly. And you understand he's so good. He's yeah. so truly horrified. You understand his point of view so clearly and deeply. And what you what you love is you you long for his point of view because you're like, but that means so much more is possible. That it could get so much better someday. Is such that's a beautiful Gene thought. Whole thing. A, it's such a, yeah, mm-hmm. it's like the distillation, right, yes. of what Star Trek is supposed to be. And then the moment where the the where the woman. The old woman has taken the yes. pill and she's like, oh, a new kidney. Yeah, yeah, I've got a new kidney. It's, so, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's just a beautiful little moment. So anyway. He's, he's great. What, it's so funny watching him with, with this week I love of movies, watching DeForest Kelly, I'm going, oh, wait, he's Harrison Ford now. Harrison Ford now yeah. is yes. DeForest <laughs> Kelly. He's like just the angry old. Yeah, irascible, you know. And, and, uh, yeah. and also the moment that I love the scenes with uh with Scotty at the plexi plexicorp, oh, you know, I, I love, love those, those scenes. scenes. Like Scotty talking to the computer, <laughs> saying like, "I've come millions of miles," and Bones correct some thousands, thousands of miles. That's great. And then, and then and he's talking about his assistant, and DeForest Kelly says, "Don't bury yourself in the part." I mean, I, I feel like I'm talking so about good. Caddyshack because I'm just quoting things. This isn't really critic. This isn't a critique. It's just like no. remember the part where it's like the Chris Farley thing. <laughs> but remember it is surprising the part where how that funny it is, it's and that's. So- Testament oh, to the movie, like I said earlier, yeah. it sh- I was really expecting it to be cheesy and to go, oh, wah, wah. and it's mm-hmm. not. They're and really, no. it's done so, the, the, the comedic moments are done so deftly and they play it so well. And you can tell they're having fun. And it's, oh, it's yeah. you know, it's funny. I didn't even realize till after watching it going, wait a minute. Oh my God. There no, yeah. There are no space battles. There's no like real love interest. You know, there's no, there's well, no, Catherine I'm Hicks, going, yeah, but, yeah, but, but not, but, it doesn't but, pan out. Yeah. 
But here's the thing about that. And, and you, you brought this up earlier with the scene where he's trying to be smooth and mm-hmm. whatever. They do have a date in essence, right? Mm-hmm. And what's the thing about Kirk? The other thing we remember from the original series that has not yet at this point been exploited in any of the movies is that Kirk always gets the girl. Always, uh-huh. 100% yeah. of the time, scores. He's the mm-hmm. captain and he scores with the alien chick in a lot of episodes yeah. and he doesn't here. Yeah. He does not. He's like, he brings her into the future and it's like, all right, well, we're going to start something. And she goes, she gives him a kiss on the cheek and says, see you around the galaxy. And he doesn't get the girl for the first time ever. That, that is was brilliant. probably Nimoy it's giving brilliant. the fuck you to Shatner there. I have a hunch that we'd all be a lot happier discussing this over dinner. What do you say? You guys like Italian? No, yes. Yes. no, no, yes, no, yes, I love Italian, and so do you, yes. I've seen this movie many times, I loved it, I saw it opening weekend, I got, I was, as a Christmas gift, I got the VHS tape, you know, the fo- the following year, and I nice. watched it, like, again and again and again, I just loved, I just always loved, I loved when comedy was injected into something, it's probably why I have that soft spot, that, that inexplicable soft spot for Superman 3 in a way where I'm like, yeah. I kind of like yeah. when they... Take a curveball and take something that is could be kind of po-faced, you know, Star Trek, you know, because Star Trek, the motion (laughs) picture and Superman, the movie are about as portentous as you. I mean, you know, ponderous as you can get. Very seriously. And 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 it's nice when something punctures that. And it was not successful in the Superman (laughs) three. It was it was jarring. And that's why I think the Eddie Murphy thing could have been done well here because Leonard Nimoy had such a deft touch, but it's better that he wasn't there. It's better you didn't have a movie star like that capsize it. No, so much better. But it's like it was nice. I just was so found it so refreshing. And I loved I had seen all the Star Trek movies up until five in the theater. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah, I saw Star Trek one when I was a little kid. The two. I definitely. saw Star Trek one in the theater because my gra- our grandmother sent it, sent us to it for an <laughs> afternoon, thinking we would like it because Star is in the title because of Star right, Wars. Of course, and we sat there it, going, yeah. "What it's, is this?" It's thing? Just so it's so boring for a little kid. Ooh. I fell asleep, but uh, yeah, we, we, oh, we saw totally it in the theaters as well. And two, I really oof. liked, and three, mm-hmm. I really liked. Yeah, I liked them more and more. And so this one is probably still. By a hair's breadth, my favorite, even it's, over Star Trek 2. In might fact, I had to go look too. back and be like, what the hell did I give Star Trek 2? Because I know <laughs> that was a very, very high Sheila. And I feel like this has to be at least equal and or a smidge above. So, but I, mm-hmm. I, oh, what did I want to say about it? I had an idea. I had a point that I was going to make, but. Um, we oh, going to talk crap. about the moment where he does the Vulcan nerve pinch on the guy in the bus who's playing the Amazing. music too loud. So good. No, oh, yeah, that's Wonderful. a fantastic so moment. And that guy is the writer of that song, by the way. He wrote that. Yes, he wrote that yes song. that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that comes back in a fun way in this season of Picard in a really, really fun oh, way. Really? That, that, oh. that same, that same gag and that same, same exact kind of thing. It's very oh, funny. Cool. No, what yeah. I was going to say is if there's something it's, this movie is so deftly handled because there are a million ways it could go wrong. First of all, just injecting the comedy, yeah. it could go wildly yep. wrong. Not giving the it's audience what it expects, space yep. battles, all these other. 
that that could have gone really sideways for them. And then you have time travel is always, you know, as we said, movies play by their own rules and the ones that work back to the future has holes. Avengers Endgame has holes. You don't care when it's done so well. You don't care when it's done not as well. All you can do is see the flaws like the other Back to the Future films that we picked apart for doing things that would. I mean, everything they do here would. Yeah. you. uh, Yes. You're talking about leaving the phaser and stuff. And but obviously giving giving the the um, transparent uh, aluminum. uh, Yeah. Giving the the formula violation of of aluminum and then and then just brushing it away by saying like, well, maybe he invented it. And then DeForest Kelly is brilliant because he's got this tiny little smile, (laughs) the half smile that basically says, I think we're going to get away with this. I think think we're going to get away with this. And that's the whole in real in in quote unquote real life and with the audience, because it's just it's just the right little little button to put on it where you go with it we go with this movie in in spite of like all the different ways in which you could say well that would fuck up the future forever or how do they not how are people never using that park they're never joggers are never running into a spaceship in the park i mean you know just because it's invisible doesn't mean it's not solid mass was one of those garbage men johnny roast beef he certainly oh, yes. looked like Johnny Rose Beef. He looked and sounded like Johnny Rose Beef. But I think, but it's okay. because, Jason, they also, I, I know exactly what you're saying, and I appreciated that as well. And there was never a point where I was like, well, I don't know, that would mess up the space time. Because they, know, they never, it's never a problem. They sort no. of, they, they're no, never they like, listen, don't, don't touch anything, don't say anything. Yeah, don't they, step they're on like, a this bug. Yeah, do. Right. yeah, so they don't make it a problem. They so don't it doesn't call attention to it, so, yeah, so it's not a problem for us. To it, yeah, so it's not a problem right. for us, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. I appreciate that. And it, and you're right, because everything else is handled, we keep using this word, but it's true, so deftly, yeah. you don't really perseverate on that stuff and yeah. go, huh. The, you know, the one thing what I thought, say, well, why did they- perseverate? You're a genius. incredible I, I have word. never, do you, I've never heard that word. God that's bless you. Book. That's from an audio book. Absolutely, that's how they No, that's a word that Kate uses all the time. My wife uses all the time, perseverate, teacher there you go yeah i don't know what it means but it sounds cool so i just said it well you said yeah that no. would be great if it doesn't it means like mean go over what? something over and over and so over good. again and um, the word. guy who did play the garbage man this was in a cut scene he, he did say uh this garbage truck was it was in my mother's name that was cut <laughs> it's in my mother's name admiral may i ask you a question Spock, don't call me admiral you used to call me jim don't you remember jim What's your question? Your use of language has altered since our arrival. It is currently laced with, shall I say, more colorful metaphors. Double dumbass on you, and so forth. You mean the profanity? Yes. That's simply the way they talk here. Nobody pays any attention to you unless you swear every other word. You'll find it in all the literature of the period. For example? Well, the collected works of Jacqueline Suzanne. The novels are Harold Robbins. Ah. The Giants. I didn't really think about this until this rewatch, but it, but it's ex- kind of the exact same thing that you guys are talking about, where where you're sort of saying to the audience, just go along with us in this sort of almost meta way. Yeah. Is when Bones is working out, DeForest Kelly is working out what they're going to do. And he's like, wait, 
So you propose that we go back in time, find some whales, bring them forward in time, and hope to God they tell this thing what to go do with itself. And, go, and Shatner goes, yeah, that's the general idea. Well, that's, that's, that's crazy. Got a better idea? Now's the time. That's a pitch meeting. That's a pitch meeting yes. for this movie. <laughs> yeah, that's totally. the absolute pitch meeting for this movie. I remember the Roger Ebert review of this because I had those Roger Ebert books. Yeah, is like, sure. So he, he laid out the plot of this and he's like, I hope that when they came up with this, whoever came up with it lit up cigars because it yeah. is nuts. <laughs> it's a nuts idea. It's nuts, but it's so well done. Yeah, I mean, it's great to, you you, yeah. you talk it away by saying, you got a better idea, now's the time. And I used to, as a kid, so, I would even think like, well, they don't have any other ideas and what else would you possibly do? Yeah. Why not try it? I mean, it's ridiculous. It. Everything Why not? slingshot around the sun. There's nothing more ridiculous. If that was in Solar Babies, you'd be like, oh, get the fuck out of here. I'm doing a slingshot around the sun. The sun's a gigantic what but the then fuck? at least the title it, would make sense. At least the title <laughs> exactly. would have something to do with I was solar. wishing, like, please, baby, slingshot around <laughs> the sun. That is one trippy-ass time travel sequence. It's so cool. With, like, with the weird faces. sand faces. It's ILM. so... ILM got involved, and they are wow. listed as a co-producer of this film. Well, it's also what they did with Project Genesis, which I remember in Star Trek II thinking yes. was so cool. That was like the first time I'd seen computer graphics like that. So Star mm-hmm. Trek always on the cutting edge with a little dollop of yep. ILM. Why does it end, though? Yeah. So it's they, they, they slingshot around the sun and they're going back in time and you see all their faces sort of dissolving, which right. is like weird and trippy. But and then cool. the whale. But then why does yeah. it end in a marsh? That last shot. Yeah, it's in a marsh, and I go, "Oh wait, did they land in a marsh?" I go, "No, they landed in a, in a park." So, do you know is there a reason why that was the last shot of the time travel That's phantasmagoria experience? Hmm. It's pr- it could be because Shatner was born in a marsh. I don't know. Maybe he crawled <laughs> out of a marsh, like the like the primordial. Did something primordial come yeah, out of a marsh? Something- it reminded it me of like a, a shot from Star Trek Two or something when they form the planet and you see some of the Mar- oh, I, maybe. but I but I don't think that's necessarily yeah. yeah it's weird it was like yeah it's it's trippy it's definitely trippy it was very but I trippy. like it uh, yeah. another thing I wanted to say about like again mm-hmm. where you this movie is so well done that you forgive it a lot the other thing that could have gone off the rails I'm sorry is the whole save the whales thing which could so easily be so yeah. Yeah. over the head with yeah. it and they kind of do but oh, when yeah. you set the stakes up the way they do the planet's going to explode unless we get a whale to talk to this cigar in the sky that is also a great design the probe is so weird so cool? simple yeah and so it's scary, odd. Very, it's, it's very so scary it's very weird scared the hell out of me as a, and i wasn't even a kid i was a teenager and i was like that's yeah. just so weird it looks like this weird cigarette or something in space the shine the sheen to it and that little it's ominous. that comes out of it, out of it. it's and really then the whale scary sound in space is scary it's, it's yes. and, and no the one sound knows what design it is on this movie yeah. is great because the sound yeah. of that probe is chilling so it's good. so memorable it's as unique and memorable as any of like phaser blast or any of the other sounds you associate with Star Agreed. Trek or Star Wars. It's very cool. The sound uh, design is fantastic. And I also think my other favorite, I made a note of this. I was like, in addition to the probe and the whale song, the other sound that always gets me is when Scotty beams up 
all those tons of between yes. the whales and all that water, water beams it up and you can hear the kind of strain on yeah. the on the on the plexiglass on or the, whatever on the on the plexiglass yeah plexiglass right that's right. what it is it's yeah, the thick plexiglass that's right it's like you can hear the creak of it like an old and you're like oh god oh god oh god I hope it holds I hope it holds mm-hmm. that's yeah. brilliant sound design but yeah no the whole save the whales thing could really be like well, could have oh, tried to do a quest for peace thing. to me well that's what it is Ooh, it's like yeah. it's like you're one right. year away from quest for peace and it was the mm-hmm. same kind of thing i remember thinking that in high school it was like boy all these sequels have an agenda have some sort of you know rocky four yeah. was about you know like uh, peace, you know so why yeah. can't we all just get along glasnost and then uh yep. this was about save the whales and then you know <laughs> superman's about no nukes and it's like boy mm-hmm. everybody's on a mission with their fourth episode of a franchise to like right. say something important wow, to justify right. their existence in so the mid-80s. So about there should be more skate rinks. Build more skate rinks. Well, thank well, God we, one thank God we were true. spared a Solar Babies 4. <laughs> so, <laughs> see what they do there. Um, Where I got nervous, I got nervous when Catherine Hicks was introduced because there were a few things, especially the scene in the car where they get in the car with her. And yeah. now look, it's not a big thing and maybe they just threw this into it to explain things away but it but just like with the time travel and, and everything it works because they get in the car and I'm going there's no way this woman would let these two strangers <laughs> yeah, in. Right. but immediately right. she says she, yeah. she lets them in and yeah. there's a line in the script going and just so you know I have a tire iron that I can grab yeah. very quickly so they're like oh Okay, they just explain that that she's like yeah. she's taking a chance, but she's already she's also ready to fucking knock him over the head with a tire iron. Yeah. And then But what's also great about that, sorry to interrupt, is those two look at each other baffled because they don't know what a tire iron is. They don't know is. what it is. Yeah, which is great. Uh-huh. That's good. But bit. I just thought, oh, that's smart that they threw that in the script. Whoever was like, you know, picking apart the script made sure to keep that mm-hmm. in there. And then mm-hmm. also smart. she she starts to she repeats like a whole paragraph that Spock said, yes. like this whole piece of exposition that she, she's like, well, no, you said, and she repeats it word mm-hmm, for word. Mm-hmm. And my first thought was no one could remember it. Like why would <laughs> that's just for pure exposition. But then she has a line right afterwards. I have a photographic memory. So yeah. don't tell me that. And I go, okay, there you go. You and, I, and maybe it's cheap. Maybe someone just threw it in, but it works. Who and cares? I bought it and I go, and I thought, that's a good smart script. That's yeah. taking yes. that's taking things that are little. You're stretching it a little bit, but you're making me go with it, and you're making it work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other thing that I was really and look, this is, uh, you know, we we know this from Star Trek just being on the air when it was, but the diversity of Star Trek always mm-hmm. is impressive, and even the fact the openings in the opening in the movie, the captain that you see. In in the in that opening ship, it's an African American woman. Yes, yeah. who's the captain of the ship? And I yeah. thought, wow, that's incredible. Yeah. In 1986, yeah. you know that Star Trek was doing. I mean, it's not a huge role, but still, I, I was I was quite impressed that they would have done that. It wasn't just you know uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know Uhuru who's who's a Uhura who's you yeah. know a, a, a great role and she's wonderful in this, but they're making the captain of mm-hmm. of one of their mm-hmm. starships an yeah. African American woman. Yep. You know, little step it, it, again, not a major role, but for that time, you know, and that's, it's, a, it's and great it's that they were doing Star that. Star Trek thing to do that. And I yes. have to look back and see if that 
captain, the captain of the USS Saratoga, is the first female captain in the Star Trek lore. You know oh, what I mean? Like yeah. I'm trying I'm trying to think if there are other clips of uh, within the movies or within episodes where we see another uh, woman captain in there. She may be the first one that, yeah. that appears in the canon. I'm not I'm not sure. I'd have to I'd have to look back at that. She may not be. Um, one thing I don't like about this movie is the quick and easy dispatching of Savick at the top. I was well, there's a whole Savick. subplot that was cut. I read because well, she was pregnant with yes. Spock. I read that that she was she was intended in to Star remain Trek behind 3. on Vulcan. Yes, she was pregnant Spock's after baby. she had mated with the younger Spock. Yeah, so but they I do guess it a they, lot they in Star Trek three. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that that is um, the, the to not have that in there or to not have her just come along on the adventure and have that revealed later or something. I think is a yeah. is a weakness because she's part of the crew uh, in Star Trek two and three. She's a major character, huge character in Star Trek three, like pivotal to the plot yeah. of that. I also love, I just want to say one little thing. I love that the whales are named George and Gracie when yeah, this right. film is essentially a comedy yeah. comprised of a mm. comedy duo. It's like Nimoy and Shatner especially are like the com- are like the great Abbott and Costello kind of duo in this. But also they break apart the crew in such a way that you've got McCoy yeah. and Scotty and you've mm-hmm. got uh, Uhura and uh, 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 Walter Kane and Chekhov. Chekhov. Um, is that, is that, is it, is it an odd number, right? Because then Sue Lose on his Sulu's own. On his his, own. Yeah. yeah, that's another thing you could have had. Could have had Savic there just to even it out. Um, but yeah, Savick no, I love that. Su- Savic and Sulu were the George and Gracie of their time. <laughs> How, <laughs> many oh, oh How many Sheilas? How many Savics? Uh, you're nine point five. I think yes. I'm. I'm nine point. I believe I went back. I think I gave in my notes that I can find. I didn't go back and listen. I think I had Star Trek two down as 9.25, in which case I would go to 9.5 for Star Trek four. If in the moment I amped it up to 9.5 for Star Trek two, then I'm going to inch this one to 9.75. So I need, I need Damon to go back because I don't have the patience. I need Damon or some of the half hollow Hills kids. Somebody. Oh my God! Somehow, somehow, my Sheila minions must go back and tell me what I gave Star Trek two, and then I'm just a a little tick. I'll go nine point five two. Good, excellent. Nine point five two. No, 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 no. Yeah, sure. Yes, I was going to say two, like T O O, but no, I'm going to go nine point five two. Sure, nine point five two. Oh well, then we all have to go nine point five two. No, all right, whatever. It's basically a nine point five across the board, pretty much. You average it out, it's good. You know, we have to do real quick. We got to thank uh, Mr. Don Dockin. Oh my God! Yes, yes, yes. yes. Singer of the great band Dokken for sending us a lovely message. If you haven't seen it, it's on the social medias. You can check it out on the Instagram, on the opening weekend Instagram page, on my personal Instagram page, on the Facebook. But Don Dokken, because one of our good friends and listeners, uh, Jeff Gonzalez, uh, is is friendly with Mr. Dokken. And uh, Don sent us a little message congratulating Dan on his incredible <laughs> hand-farted rendition of the Dream Warriors and all I can say, and you guys know this because you've seen the, the text that I sent you, but when I when Jason oh sent God, me that oh video, I was on the train. I literally screamed, screamed 
on the train in excitement. That was uh, one of the most exciting <laughs> videos I've ever seen. Thank so you. So thank you, Mr. Dockin. Yes, thank you, Mr. Dockin. Thank you, so Jeff great. Gonzalez, for getting that footage for us. And uh, thank you, Dan, for inspiring us all. Really? Listen, <laughs> listen. I, I am honored to get any any feedback from anybody, but notes on uh, from Don Dockin. Oh my I know. god, it's really cool. It was really honored. really cool of him to do that uh, yeah. and to and to let us share it <laughs> with the world. Yes. You know, it's like a nice little thing just for us. But he also signed off on uh, on us uh, using the clip uh, that he sent us for awesome. uh, to promote opening weekend. Everybody's favorite podcast. <laughs> Check it out on the iTunes, the Spotify. Oh, yeah, we haven't done that in a long time. Give us you some can ratings. listen to it. Give us some yeah. likes. Oh, my and God. Fine. Tell yeah. your friends about us. For God's sake, Please. tell five your friends. Stars. I think, we, got, I think we, do, we do have to create a paywall or something. We got to get something going here. I need to make, Daddy needs a new pair of shoes. No, I don't need, I don't wear shoes. Uh, thank you. <laughs> For and joining us yet. for yet another episode. Exactly. Uh, exactly. If I'm a daddy and I need and I wear out my shoes, those are two good reasons for daddy to, to get a new pair a of shoes. Um, <laughs> to have a paywall. A Patreon. <laughs> I get a Patreon. Um, thank uh, you for joining us for yet another episode of Opening oh. Weekend. Next time we dial things back to the beginning of the decade, specifically the weekend of December 10th, 1980, which saw the release of Stir Crazy, starring Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor, a movie I loved when I was younger. I wonder if it still holds up. And the Robert Altman-directed musical comedy Popeye, based on the famous comic strip Sailor and featuring Robin Williams and Shelley Duvall. That's next time on opening weekend. Dan, what you got for us, sucker? I'll do the original uh, Star Trek theme. How about that? Okay. okay. Let me tune up first. Mm. Okay, here we go. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Double dumbass on you. That was (laughs) double double dumbass on us all. (laughs) And especially on you. (laughs) Double dumbass on everyone. (laughs) Everyone. (laughs) See you next time. The opening weekend podcast is produced by Jason O'Connell, Fred Berman, and Dan Matisa, with editing by Jason O'Connell and sound mixing by Fred Berman. Additional help and technical support provided by Ethan Duff. Thank you for listening. Double dumbass on you!